Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, WSTers? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, a game day edition as the Jets continue their homestand and look to start a new winning streak against Patrick Kane and the Detroit Red Wings tonight. 6.30 start down at Canada Life Center. We have a lot to get to on the program today. Um, Murata Tesh, one of ours and your favorites, is going to pop by. We'll talk about tonight's game. But we'll also dive into a recent piece from Marat in The Athletic on comparing the Winnipeg Jets of this season to the best Jets team since 2011, certainly the team that went the furthest, the 17-18 version of the Winnipeg Jets. It was a really interesting piece. We'll chop that up with Marat a little later on, as well as just get his thoughts on the team through the first 30 games of the season. Uh, we'll talk a little more Jets and... We'll see where Brandon is. Um, you know, Brandon's a big Philly fan. Um, Brandon Rewicki, of course. Um, he's probably pleasantly surprised with where the Flyers are in the standings right now, holding down a playoff spot, heading into Christmas. But I imagine his freakout meter is also increasing as to what's been happening lately with the Philadelphia Eagles. So um, we'll talk some Jets. We'll chop it up with Brandon later on in the program. But... Christmas is this weekend, Boxing Day coming up on, what is that, Monday or Tuesday? And that means it's the World Junior Hockey Championship, and we always make a point to bring in Scott Wheeler from The Athletic for a World Junior Hockey Championship preview. Um, so we're going to do that today as well, and I guess big news right out of the gate. Rucker McGrory, good to go for the event, and to the surprise of absolutely no one if he's playing he will be wearing the C for the Stars and Stripes. So we'll talk about Rutger, Elias Salmonson, Team Canada, coming up with Scott Wheeler before we uh, dive back into Jets content with Murata Tesh and Brandon Rewicki. Um, morning skate today. Connor was down there. We did a little preview of it. LB will start a little swap on the power play. And we got a chance to see Josh Morrissey looking a little less pretty than normal after taking that puck in the face, but he is good to go tonight. We'll hear from Josh and head coach Rick Bonus coming up in the first half hour of the program. Um, just before we bring in Michael Remus, got to thank the sponsors that make this program happen each and every day. Of course, our friends at Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, the Winnipeg Jets, Boston Pizza and Royal Sports, F Apparel, Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Sport Manitoba. Supported by Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, Modern Man Barbershop. And of course, we'll get into a why not question of the day for Not Autocorp at Waverly and McGilvery. Michael Remus, what is up? Feeling good, Huss. Ready for uh, Jets get back on the horn or the wagon, whatever you want to call it, uh, tonight against Detroit. Another 6.30 start. I'm pumped for that. Feeling a little sore. I got blessed with the uh, 10.30 ice time last night uh, in our league game. So a little sore this morning. <laughs> Always, you have to do one of those a season, right? You get the, the 10.30 time. Better than 10.50, which I've had. So there you go. Yes. Well, hopefully you still got your beauty sleep. You look great. You managed to uh, manage mm -hmm. to pull through. Um, 
and uh, managed to make it through the game as well. Hey, listen, we're going to talk Jets, um, obviously, for the majority of the program. Um, big night last night in the National Hockey League. Um, but before we do anything, um, I just wanted to talk quickly about Nolan Patrick. Of course, the Winnipeg native who was, you know, for two years, the consensus number one pick in the draft. He actually ended up going up number two when the Devils decided on Nico Heischer before Nolan Patrick. Um, and he had had two very injury-plagued seasons over the last couple of years. Um, you know, played with the Vegas Golden Knights in 21-22 and has had to retire. Made that official yesterday and, you know, ended up playing in 222 NHL games, scoring 32 goals, 77 points, got into six playoff games in his first year as a member of the Philadelphia Flyers, and then ironically ended up being traded as part of sort of a three-way deal, ending up in Vegas for the first ever player that Vegas picked in the draft, which was also a Winnipeg native in Cody Glass, who's you know really kind of finding his way right now in Nashville. Um, but Reem, it just goes to show you how um, you know, even for a player like that, that was thought to be a guaranteed NHL player, potentially an NHL star, um, you know, injuries can derail even the biggest, strongest, best prospects. And uh, I know a lot of people in the hockey world, especially people here in Winnipeg, feeling for Nolan right now with what was such a promising career cut so short so early. Yeah, I do remember uh, that draft, high, very highly touted prospect, only 25 years old, and that's it. Uh, retiring, um, you know, estimated career earnings here on Cap Friendly, you know, $6 million, but I'm sure you'd love to have the opportunity to play more NHL games. It was part of the, you know, Vegas team last year that won the Stanley Cup, didn't play, um, but I think he was around them, and... Uh, crazy to think, you know, someone with such promise could have a career, but it just shows you how, you know, you know how unpredictable some of these careers are. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. So, uh, wishing him all the best as he moves on from his uh, pro hockey career. I, I believe he's still working, you know, with a team in like a coaching uh, position. But yeah, that was. I don't know if it was a shocker because he, he hadn't hadn't played, but just the story. Um, it very. It's sad and unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, these careers are fleeting. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people take, you know, well, we, I mean, listen, as fans, we do take for granted, um, you know, the sacrifices that these guys make and, you know, what is at stake each and every time, um, you know, they take the ice. And certainly, I mean, not to rehash one of the most horrifying sports stories of 2023, um, but you know, with what happened to Adam Johnson and how much that affected players like Neil Pionk on the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we, you know, realized how precious life can be, never mind just the career. Um, but the important thing for Nolan Patrick is that he is hopefully able to recover from his injuries and um, live a long and, and prosperous and, and paid free life. Um, you know, he had a number of concussions and concussion problems and Again, we don't have the full dossier on that as to, you know, how much of it happened in, in junior hockey. But if you remember his draft year, he missed more than half the season. I mean, he had a he played 33 games for the Wheaties in 16-17. When he was out there, he was dominant, scoring 20 goals and 46 points. 
um, but not even playing a half a season and then ended up making it into Philly. And, you know, the first two years was out there. I mean, 30, 73 and 72 games in his first season. Then the injuries really started to, to hurt him and I think really affected him on the ice. Um, he had only four goals in 52 games in his final year with Philly and then was traded to the Vegas Golden Knights. And in a lot of ways, that was the perfect landing spot for him. His former GM in junior hockey, Kelly McCrimmon, um, bringing him into the Vegas fold, another Manitoban on the club with many familiar faces, um, but ended up only skating in 25 games for the Vegas Golden Knights, was unable to play last year, and has now officially called it a career. And, um, um, you know, obviously with his close ties to Winnipeg, um, we wanted to talk about that right off the bat, but um, you know, just a, a, a sad development for Nolan Patrick. And as you mentioned, uh, I know he is involved. I mean, hockey is in his blood. Hockey's been his life, um, and I imagine he will move on to post playing career, still being very involved in the game. But um, kind of wanted to start off with uh, with that. Listen, we're going to get to the Jets in just a minute. Um, how about those Chicago Blackhawks doing the Jets and the Stars a favor last night in the stand in the uh, in the uh, race for first place in the Central Division? Um, I will admit we spent a lot of time looking at the games in the lock shop last night, figuring out where we wanted to sprinkle on. And the Chicago Blackhawks to beat the Colorado Avalanche was not at the top of my list, Remus. I will admit to that. Was not on my list either, and you have to wonder this Kale McCarr injury. He still uh, he took another. He did not play yesterday, and they lost three to two. And you know, we talk when we talk with Connor McGahey, it is amazing how much you know the bottom of the forward roster, aside from the top line, has really been remade. And they do have some injuries. Arturi Lekkinen out as well. Uh, I was definitely surprised that they lost three two. Their team total, I think, coming in was like four. So the you know sports books saying, hey, they're gonna win by a lot and score goals but no and here we are at the standings watch i guess that's what, are we doing this now the standings watch portion of the show where we look at the central division and there's dallas at the top 40 points and there's winnipeg 39 points dallas and winnipeg have played the same number of games and colorado's played two more games and have 40 points so uh the jets just but you know just behind dallas in points percentage and have a chance to close that gap with a win tonight against Detroit and Dallas. They're out without Jake Ottinger for an extended period of time, so we'll see how they weather that storm. Yeah, uh, that is a great point. I mean, a big-time injury to arguably their most important player. Actually, I don't think there's much of an argument. Jake Ottinger is their most important player. I mean, if you've seen the way Dallas plays this year, I mean, they rely on defense and goaltending. They're not a high-flying team. They shut you down. They try and limit chances, which they've done a very good job of that. Um, they've got a pretty balanced lineup, but I mean, they certainly wouldn't have the star power that a team like Colorado has. With all due respect to Jason Robinson, Rupee Hints, as well as guys like Sigan and Ben, who have been around there for uh, for a long time. But yes, we are on standings watch. Anytime the Jets are playing, where if they win, they can be the first place team in the Central. It is definitely worth a mention. And I, like many of you, are hoping that I'll be able to open the show talking about the first place Winnipeg Jets tomorrow if the Jets can get this win against the uh, against the uh, the Wings tonight. Just before we move on to tonight's game, though, um, to give you an idea about what's happening in Colorado right now, 
Um, you know, I think everyone, for the most part, that pays attention to this program probably saw what the Jets did in Colorado, winning 4-2 a couple weeks ago. And then it was the, the Chevy signature game on Saturday night where the Jets, I mean, ran away with it against the Avalanche, winning 6-2 and having five goals, the first five goals scored by players that were acquired by Dayoff either at the trade deadline or in the Dubois trade this year. Um, but Remo, last night after the game, and kind of a shocking loss to the Blackhawks, it's clear that all is not right with the Avalanche. And um, we should play this clip from Devon Taves because you do not often hear NHL players talk about their team's struggles and about certain players just simply not being on the same page or worse, like we heard from Taves at the end of last night's game. I mean, it's, it's self-awareness. We need guys that know, you know, know how to play in our system, how to, how to play our game and, and know what it takes. And uh, we have guys in here, I think we got some guys that think they're playing well and I think they're kidding themselves at this point. It's, it's frustrating to play with. Uh, you know, play out there when, when you got guys that think they're playing well and, and they're doing things that, you know, you have no idea what play they're going to make or, or where they're going to be on the ice. And uh, it's it's tough to play in this league when, when you don't know where your teammates are going to be. So, um, you know, that's where a lot of the frustration stems from. Tough to play when you don't know where your teammates are going to be and they're guys that are playing. If they think they're playing well, they're kidding themselves. Those are scuds that are very rarely lobbed particularly by teams near the top of the standings, Reem. Yeah, he said, if you guys think we're playing well, we're catering ourselves, doesn't know uh, where players are going to be on the ice. Uh, wild comments there from Devon Taves. You love to hear that honesty. And again, look at look at this roster, though, compared to the roster uh, when they won the Stanley Cup. It's, it's not the same. They just have this top line, Nakusha, McKinnon, Ranton, but the rest of it... It's pretty much um, new guys. Logan O'Connor has been there for a while, but it's pretty new. The lines two, three, and four. Now their defense is mostly the same, been strong, although uh, they're really missing Kel McCarr, Taves, Manson, Jack Johnson, Byron, Malinsky's a rookie, and Caleb Jones is, is new. But it's, I don't know, I think Colorado, maybe they've taken a, a step back here this year with all the changes. Really hard to maintain uh, that top level just with salary cap cap and all that. So it was disappointing, uh, you know, Stanley Cup hangover year for them last year. But as they try to get back there, um, it's tough when you have a, a completely new team and Devontae's coming out saying they're basically not on the same page. I see in chat the knee of KFC says... Taves taking a page from the Paul Stastny handbook. And, you know, Taves a big, big part of that team. He's got the ring, probably has the level of respect in the dressing room that you can get away with saying that. But still, that is a heavy, heavy indictment of the Colorado Avalanche. And maybe it speaks to the talent that they do have that they've struggled the way they have and yet are still right there at 40 points in the Central Division. Um, all that being said, the Jets have two games in hand on Colorado. They're one point back. They're one point back of Dallas as well. Dallas is off tonight. So with a win this evening, the Winnipeg Jets can take back first place in the Central Division. 
And um, coming out of the morning's gate, Reno, this is something that we teed up on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk social media channels with Connor from the rink this morning. Good news that Josh Morrissey's back, maybe looking a little worse for wear. We'll hear from him in a minute. Um, but some changes to the power play. And this probably is going to surprise some people. Cole Perfetti and Alex Iafalo switching units. So the number one power play is going to be Shifley Morrissey-Ehlers along with Iafalo and Velarde. And the number two unit um, will now include Cole Perfetti with Nate Schmidt, Pionk, Nino Niederreiter, and Vlad Nemetsnikov. And I talked about this yesterday, and I brought up the example of when the Jets broke their slump on the power play earlier in the season against Vegas. Who was it? It was Alex Iafalo right in front of the net making things happen. And uh, I, I expect, and we'll hear from Bones, he can talk a little bit more to it, I expect the Jets to try to get a ton of pucks on net tonight when they have a power play opportunities and do everything they can to make life miserable for James Reiner, kind of ally what Chris Kreider did to the Winnipeg Jets with a bit of the blueprint in that game here against the New York Rangers earlier this season. Yeah, when I heard that they're making changes, this is not um, the change that I thought they were going to do. I thought they would move uh, some of the guys around up top, not the guys down low and maybe give Cole Perfetti a, a more you know, prominent role. I think when they get stagnant, it's because the guys at the top are just hanging on to the puck, looking for that perfect pass. And, you know, I have fallen Velarde. It's their job to go retrieve the puck. But, you know, there, there's nothing to retrieve if you just keep looking for a pass and, and are not shooting. And I'm curious to hear what Murat, uh, Murat said, because I thought he said it well on Twitter. We'll be talking with him later. Um he said, I follow as a bet on puck retrievals. Maybe it works great. My take, it's more about what happens uh, before the shot. So I think it's going to be up to the guys uh, before the shot, you know, maybe keep the puck moving more quickly and with quicker decisions and not just, you know, holding it, waiting for someone to get open for the perfect play. We'll see what happens, see how it works. I'm interested with this uh, second power play unit. Bonus did say he likes, you know, keeps the lines even having Perfetti and Nemestikov who play together five on five, also on the power play. Uh, but when you're one for 16, you know, in, their, in your last stretch here, that's not great. And you got to make some changes. They recognize that. And are these going to be the changes that get them put the puck in the net? Uh, we'll have to wait and see tonight against Detroit. Well, you know what? Let, let's transition right into Bones um, because uh, Rick Bonus spoke today after the morning skate was asked about the changes to the power play and uh, talked about putting IFL and Velarde together on that top unit and uh, the other subsequent moves, including Perfetti moving to the second unit. Yeah, well, early in the year when we put Alex, uh, he, he was doing a really good job in the bumper and then we lost Gabe. Um, so it's just a matter of going back to that. Uh, we, we have to change the structure. That's simple as that. Keep that top line together. And then the second unit, you keep Cole with Vladdy. It's just a little easier on the bench. But we're just trying to get more. And Nino's really good in the bumper. We're trying to use the bumper a little bit more. And we're trying to get more shots. So we got to change the personnel. What was working wasn't working. <laughs> it wasn't working. So let's try something different. Let's go back to what we saw some success earlier in the year. 
see uh, with Cole on the right flank, I noticed that at five on five, he likes to enter the zone, pull up, and open the ice to play make. Uh, is that recognition of that sort of go-to move yep. in, his, in his arsenal, putting he's, him on the right flank? He's very good on the half wall over there. And we've got uh, Pionk over there looking for one-timers. So, uh, and he's able to make that pass. We don't always have to go up to the top to Nate. He go over, he'll find that seam. He'll also find Vladdy. And he'll also be looking for Nino in the, in the bumper position. All right, so there's Bones talking about the power play. And as I said, we'll get into that with Murad a little bit later on. Um, I don't think this is any sort of indictment in Cole Perfetti. I mean, Cole Perfetti, of course, had that huge goal in the comeback from the 2-0 deficit to grind a point out of that game against the Montreal Canadiens on Monday night. Bones was asked on, uh, you know, so far through 30 games, what he's seen from uh, the young lion, Cole Perfetti. I keep saying he, he's missed a lot of hockey, this kid, over the last couple of years. He's going to keep getting better. Did he hit a little lull there yet? That's not doesn't mean it's negative. It's all part of being growing as a, as a young player. As uh, he hit the bumps, you just fight your way through it, which he has done. And he's been much better the last couple of games. It's, but it's inevitable that you miss that much hockey and you're a young player. You're going to hit a little bump a couple of games. Um, it's, it's not the end of the world. You kind of expect it. When he gets there, you help him through it. Yeah, um, you've kept the first and third lines together, so you've kind of let... Is there a a benefit in kind of letting him sort of kind of figure it out on that second line with Vladdy and... Well, we saw before uh, there was chemistry with Vladdy when we had Nick there. Now with OKC, we moved Nick around. But uh, Vladdy's a very... Not only is Vladdy a very smart hockey guy, but he's very easy to play with because of that. He's always where he's supposed to be. You never have to look for him. Um, so that helps Cole. That helps anybody who's playing with Vladdy because of his hockey IQ. Uh, very intelligent player, sees the ice really well, and he's just very easy to play with. And he's good on the bench with Cole, and he's a positive influence, and he helps him out a lot. All right, all right. there is uh, Coach Rick Bonus. Now, uh, we're going to get into this more with Scott Wheeler coming up and talk a little about Rutger McGrory, Team USA, and the upcoming World Junior Hockey Championships. But uh, one of the assembled media asked Rick what uh, he had to say about Rutger being good to go and being named captain of uh, Team USA for the World Juniors. Everything I've heard about the kid is just great character. So I think it's wonderful for him, wonderful for the franchise. Uh, and I'm sure he'll do very well. I don't know a lot about him. I haven't seen him play. But I, I just know our scouts and our, everyone speaks very, very highly of his character. So that's really good news. We'll get into a little bit more chat about Rucker McGrory with Scott Wheeler coming up in just a few minutes before Murata Tesh joins us. Uh, of course, Bones hasn't been busy watching Rucker McGrory tape. He's been... Getting ready for the Detroit Red Wings tonight. The Wings come in having won only one game in their last seven um, and really have not clicked and, in fact, have fallen out of a playoff spot since Patrick Kane joined the club. Here's what Bones had to say about the Wings, uh, along with Manitoba's James Reimer, while not confirmed who's expected to get the start tonight. A little more depth up front with Patrick in there. <laughs> He's still an elite player. Gives them a lot of good options. So they have a lot of skill and speed up front. Um, they're, they're tough to defend because of that. He gives them a whole new dimension, both the five on five and on the power play. So it's a, it's a different team, and they're playing really well. And again, we have nothing but respect for their skill level. Their coaches have done a great job, and that's a team that's really on the move forward. Stevie's done a great job building that franchise up. It's a franchise that's moving forward. 
All right. Well, hopefully they won't be moving forward tonight as uh, the Jets look to start another winning streak and keep the wings in some pre-Christmas doldrums, as I mentioned, with just the one win in their last seven games. One more from Bones. We've spent a lot of time talking about the power play, uh, but here's what Bones had to say about the current state of his penalty kill units. We know what we have to improve on the penalty kill, and we do. And uh, it's a matter of just doing those little things that we were doing early in the year. And sometimes it just slips away, and it slipped away. So when it slips away, you've got to address it and just get get it back on, 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 on back where it's supposed to be. We, we have the personnel, and they're committed to it. Uh, and I know it hasn't gone our way. I think we've... We've made a couple of mistakes that it's made it very easy for the opposition to score that we can clean up. That's the good news. So it'll get better. Yeah, the stats show Detroit's power play really runs through their blue liners. Is that something that shows up on the video and something yep. you're yet going to be prepared yep. for tonight as yep. well? We'll take a good look at it. And what kind of things uh, do you look at? Uh, that, uh, well, you, you know, you find it's every power play. What are their tendencies? Who's their threat? What are the words their go-to play? You start with that. All right, so there's Bones on the wings, and uh, special teams still a big, big topic with the Winnipeg Jets being so good at five-on-five and just not having the results that they've had on the power play and especially the penalty kill up until uh, the point this season. Good news, Josh Morrissey will be back on the blue line tonight. He took one in the face on Monday night, looking a little worse for wear, but uh, he'll be out there tonight. Josh Morrissey uh, met the media today with a bit of a black eye, looking, well, looking like a hockey player. Here's Morrissey on the injury and the repair. I mean, I think it looks worse than it is. Uh, you know, kind of got lucky there with uh, uh, where it hit me. He missed the teeth and kind of missed the uh, cheekbone and stuff. So, uh, yeah, looks looks worse than it is. But, uh, yeah, little, when I roll over on that side of the pillow, it maybe doesn't feel the best. But... It happens. So no broken cheek or nothing? Just no flesh wound, I say. Yeah, fortunately, uh, got lucky with that one. So. As it happened, how bad did it feel? Yeah, it didn't feel very good, obviously. Uh, just kind of knew right away. I think it caught a solid piece of my visor as well, so uh, that probably saw stopped some of the uh, impact. Um, but, uh, yeah, it didn't feel great, but uh, our medical staff is awesome and uh, took care of it right away and got me... Uh, Stitch up and back out there pretty fast, so uh, the, pit crew, the pit crew was ready to go. What did it take to repair it? Uh, it wasn't that the cut itself was like it was kind of deeper, but not not um, that big. So I, I think maybe five or six. Yeah. Yeah. Significant uh, comments from a significant other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Christmas card might uh, suffer a little bit this year. At least a little memorable, anyway. So. Um, Got a picture at the holiday skate with Santa yesterday, and uh, he looked a little scared. So I don't know if he's coming this year to my house, but hopefully. <laughs> Morrissey having a little fun with this. And yes, it, it, the, the Morrissey Christmas photos, 2023 will be easily identifiable uh, for Josh and his family, um, considering the way he's looking right now. Um, uh, that being said, this team needs him on the ice right now. He is such a big part of the Winnipeg Jets and their success. Here's on uh, playing in the condition that he's in right now. Um, yeah, I think those things happen. I mean, the best, the best thing is just to get out there as fast as possible. The, the hardest part is um, kind of losing your 
uh, intensity and the heart rate and stuff like that from playing a regular shift. So, um, you know, like I said, the staff did a great job of getting things sorted out in a hurry. So I didn't feel that I lost a ton of momentum and, um, you know, was able to get back into the game. But, uh, you know, the first first shift or two afterwards, you're kind of, I guess, kind of just trying to keep it simple and, and get your, your feet back under you. But, um, you know, it happens. You know, when, um, you know, when, when something like that happens, um, you know, I mean, especially getting it to the face, um, like you mentioned, you know, you're worried about your grill, you're worried about, you know, certainly breaking some sort of a bone. It, it sounds like it was quite fortunate considering the swelling and the bruising on Josh's face, but, um, he was asked a little bit about his initial reaction the moment after taking that puck. Yeah, I think you kind of just go in a, in that case, if, you know, the puck hits you, it hits pretty hard. It's just kind of going to a little bit of panic mode, a little bit of shock. And uh, I don't know, when I touched my face and saw there was some blood, I may have uttered something. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is just kind of trying to get out of there and get the doctors to look at it as fast as possible. And, from there. Yeah, how much of a relief is it that you know it's uh, just visual and not uh, yeah. structural damage? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, obviously makes the rehab, you know, changes things for sure. I don't have to wear a bubble or a cage or anything like that, and uh, you know, can keep wearing my normal stuff. So um, that part of it's nice for sure. You know, like I said, it missed my teeth, uh, uh, so I can chew and eat fine. It's really, like I said earlier, it, it looks worse than it is right now. So, um, you know, like I said, maybe you guys with the cameras on this side can use these guys' cameras over here. <laughs> 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 like, certainly hasn't lost his sense of humor. A few zingers today from 44 talking about the injury. Um, but um, it's very good news for the Winnipeg Jets that Josh won't miss any time because of how much he's playing and how important he is. And, of course, he's got a big, big role on the power play. Josh was asked about the uh, power play changes and the need to get that unit going with the man advantage. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, we want to get production on our power play. And, um, we're looking at a lot of different options. Coaches are giving us, um, you know, what they uh, feel is going to help make that difference. And, you know, we had a couple games early with uh, those guys. Um, you know, obviously with the PC out there and, and stuff, but uh, where I thought we looked really, really good, you know, going back to the first few games of the year before Gabe got hurt. So uh, I think there's some chemistry uh, with uh, Al uh, in the slot and uh, obviously him and him and Gabe have played together for a while. So they have some, some chemistry and we're not sort of working together in, in those spots. So, um, you know, I think... Uh, we're just trying to find solutions and you know we're, we're winning games we're playing really good hockey and always looking at areas to improve certainly special teams are one of them and, um you know that's uh, the best part is we're, we're winning games uh um you know playing a great great brand of 515 hockey so we can get those things going uh, a little bit more here uh, makes our team even more dangerous all right so there's josh morrissey on another changes to the power play here's one more clip because there are some familiar faces It'll be wearing red and white. Of course, last year when Detroit came, it was our first chance to see Andrew Kopp in Detroit's red and white after uh, a long run with the Winnipeg Jets and former Winnipeg Jet Ben Sherratt on the squad as well. And in fact, both of those players wearing letters. Here's a Morrissey on a few former teammates coming into town in leadership roles with Detroit. 
Yeah, you know, I think um, obviously uh, those three guys you mentioned are, are great leaders and they wear letters on their new teams, uh, you know, for a reason. Um, you know, the guys in Detroit there, uh, Benny Sherratt, uh I can't say how much he did for me in, in my career, uh, going back even to St. John's when I was there as an 18-year-old uh, kid uh, for three months after my junior year. I mean, he... Uh, I, I don't know what pro hockey's about. I'm living on an island out in the middle of the ocean, and uh, he's uh, he just took me under his wing and right in through when we both made it in the NHL. Uh, was a great mentor and you know a great friend to me. We're we're still really close in Copper. Um, same thing. I mean, he's uh, just a professional type of guy. He, you know, I saw that every day here. He comes to work and uh, plays a you know just a great 200-foot game. Offensively, defensively, he's very responsible, and um, you know, he's just kind of a natural leader in the locker room. So, not surprised to see those guys wearing letters, and uh, you know, certainly uh, doing great for themselves over there in Detroit. Yeah, of course. Uh, speaking about those three players, including Jacob Truba, now the captain of the New York Rangers. Um, all right, we'll dive more into this game, the Jet Power Play. And much more with Murata Tesh coming up in a minute. But we are going to talk World Juniors. And uh, big news with Rucker McGrory, as Bones just mentioned, the captain of Team USA. Um, and we're going to do that with Scott Wheeler in just a second. Before we do that, though, Christmas weekend is upon us, if you can believe that, gang. Um, and, hey, if you're looking for some last-minute gift options or just to stock up for what should be a great time with friends and family... There's a Canadian club for every occasion heading into the holidays. Gift options for whatever you're looking for with sales on all of the Canadian club favorites. Original 100% rye and Canadian club classic 12-year-old. And don't forget, there still is limited availability of the Canadian club invitation series. 15-year-old Sherry Cask, the signature CC classic 12-year-old whiskey, Finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry Casks. All the hallmarks of a classic Canadian club with the added richness and sweetness of Sherry. Pick it up now at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. Check out the sales on all the other CC uh, offerings. And don't forget, this holiday season and always, please enjoy responsibly. Um, Manitoba Battery's got some great last-minute gift ideas as well for you. Listen, if you need a battery... For your car or truck, you know that you're going to get the best price and the best service in town, period, at Manitoba Battery. But they can also help you with some last-minute shopping ideas. How about 25-foot booster cables for 60 bucks? Three sets of 12-inch booster cable, 12-foot booster cables for 60 bucks. A 2,000-amp booster pack for $120, and an ice pack, ice fishing package that includes a 10-amp lithium battery and charger for 120 bucks and of course you can always get a good old gift card as well uh to take care of that next battery for someone in your circle um bottom line is any purchase at manitoba battery over 60 bucks they'll deliver it to you for free get your credit card out give them a call at seven uh, 783-8787 or go to manitobabattery.com and knock a few last minute gifts off your list right now and hey you're going to want to be looking good for the holidays as well. Still time to get in and get a little touch up on the dome over at Modern Man Barbershops, gang. Modern Man has eight locations in Winnipeg, including the newest locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Man Barbershop have a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, 
color services, and more. Book your look and make an appointment via modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow on Instagram as well, at modernmanbarbershops. And hey, looking into 2024, maybe a new project for you and your family might be a little bit of home improvement. How about a spa or a sauna for your spot? Well, you know the experts at that is Aquatech. And whole home renovations start with Aquatech with thousands of rentals as their foundation. Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. If you're ready to enhance your kitchen, bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options. All right, Murata Tesh coming up a little later. Rowicki's going to stop by one more time before Christmas. Right now, though, let's talk about the Jets' prospects and get ready for the World Junior Hockey Championships with Scott Wheeler of The Athletic. Scott, how are you? I'm uh putting the finishing touches on some holidays here i took my holidays a little bit early uh spending some time with the family gonna go grab some lunch after this and then off to uh off to sweden on christmas day so i'm looking forward to getting over there and diving into coverage always an exciting time for the young players as well as people on the draft beat like yourself um you know we'll get to team canada in a minute obviously winnipeg jet fans have been very interested as to the status of Rucker McGrory for Team USA. And some great news recently. Not only will Rucker play in the tournament, but he will be wearing the C. Um, tell us a little bit of what we've learned about McGrory's injury and uh, his role on what should be a very good U.S. team. Yeah, my understanding is that the impact on his fall was actually sort of to his chest. It was more of a rib uh, lung situation. Uh, I, I believe he broke it, broke one of his ribs and punctured his lung, and that was the the injury, if you will. Uh, sounds to me like he, this is this is not the likely outcome. This is not what anybody was kind of expecting. His timetable, based off the initial conversations I had with people in his camp and people at Michigan, it sounded like his timetable was uh, sort of more the middle of of January. Uh, so this is. We're looking at at least three, maybe four weeks early uh, in terms of getting back. Uh, but he, he's been a leader for this group. The, the captaincy was the least surprising piece of the puzzle for me. I think if he was healthy, that was to be expected. He was the captain of their U18 team back when this age group was at the national program. He's a returnee. If anybody's ever sort of watched an interview of Rutger or spoken to him, you learn pretty quick that he's a very charismatic kid, extremely well-spoken uh, tons of life and energy. So a uh, big, big fan of the kid. Uh, I, I've always loved and sort of enjoyed my chats with him. And uh, he he's he's the perfect captain for this team. And uh, it sounds like he's going to be uh, good to go, hopefully, come Boxing Day, which, which is a big boost for them as well, because he's a top six left winger on top of wearing the C. He's, a, he's an important piece of this team. You know, Scott, you, you mentioned, I mean, uh, your chats with him, we've had him on a couple times on the program, and he has such... An incredible passion and energy. Um, I would say you said it's the least surprising thing that he's the captain. If there was a player that was going to come back ahead of schedule to be in an event like this to represent their country, I would have put Rutger at the top of that list because you kind of had that feeling that regardless of what happened to him, it was going to take um, heaven and earth to keep him off that ice uh, for this tournament. And uh, lo and behold, there he is wearing the sea. Yeah, and, and they were disappointed with their outcome last year too, right? Like bronze isn't what the U.S. at this stage in, in where the program's at and how strong they've become developing young players. Bronze isn't the end game for them. 
Uh, I'm sure they were happy at the end of the bronze medal game a year ago, but immediately it was reset to, okay, next year we've got, we're going to have a lot of returnees. We had a young team a year ago and Rutger was always going to be a big, a big factor in that. So uh, credit to him for working his way back and getting ready. It sounded like I wasn't in, I was at Canada's camp here in Oakville, but I wasn't in Plymouth for, for USA's camp, but my colleague, Corey, colleagues, Corey Promen and Max Bolton were both there, and it sounds like he looked really good in that camp. Uh, he was wearing a non-contact jersey still at that point, but it uh, sounded to me like he was sort of trending in the right direction and uh, sort of feeling good and looking good on the ice. So that's that's huge for them. And th- this is they might be the favorites. The Americans might be the gold medal favorites. In fact, they would be my pick if I had to pick sort of gun to my head kind of thing. They'd be my pick in this year's tournament. They're extremely deep at forward, uh, really four lines that are stronger than any other four line sort of team in this in this year's tournament. Uh, three excellent returnees on defense and then arguably the two best goalies uh, in the tournament as well. So they, they've got it all. They're a little bit thinner on defense than I think they'd like to be. Their third pairing is maybe the the one area of this roster that I think they, 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 they'd like to be a little stronger at. Uh, but other than that, this is as good an American team as we've seen in some time, and, and Rutgers a, a sort of going to be a leading focal point of that. Well, just staying on USA before we move forward, um, obviously Rucker a returnee uh, and will be wearing the C. But I mean, I go down their forward lines, and I mean, these are the guys we were all talking about last year in Nashville getting their names called in the first round of the NHL draft. I mean, a lot of players that popped up in round one last year will be wearing the Stars and Stripes. Yeah, I mean, they've they've got the returning uh, best line in the history of the, the program, at least from a production standpoint. No line in the history of the program. That's including what Jack Hughes and, and Cole Caulfield did, right? Uh, it's including what Austin Matthews and Kachuk did. Uh, this this was a special, special line. Uh, and they're all likely going to play together at five on five again. And that's obviously Will Smith, who was a top five pick in last year's draft to San Jose. Gabe Perot, who was a first rounder to the Rangers. And Ryan Leonard, who was a first rounder of the Washington Capitals. So that's that's already one trio that you know has dominated this age group. And not just dominated it, but like two, three points per game each in international events for all three of those kids. Uh, Kind of the perfectly made line, two natural playmakers and finishers and creators uh, alongside Ryan Leonard, who really gets after it, a a worker, a physical type. Uh, And that's not even their best line. Their best line is probably going to be the trio of Cutter Gauthier, who's played at a men's world championships. Cutter actually scored seven goals for teams, team USA in 10 games at men's worlds last year and was one of the best forwards on that senior men's national team at men's worlds. Lane Hudson also played at men's worlds last year uh, on the back end for team USA. So this level is almost below guys like Lane Hudson and Cutter Gauthier. I could see Lane Hudson breaking the tournament D, the D points record, which is 14 points in seven games, or at least chasing it. Uh, the Americans have a bit of a softer group than Canada does. Canada and Sweden are both in the same group. The Americans, their two best opponents are going to be the Slovaks and the Czechs. Uh, so there's an opportunity for them to really do some damage. That's without getting into Jimmy Snuggerud, one of the best players in college hockey. Gavin Brindley, one of the better players in college hockey, who's also a returnee for them up front. Frank Mazar, a first-round pick. Uh, Isaac Howard, another first-round pick. It, it's a loaded 
American team. And then I mentioned the goalies earlier, but Trey Augustine has been a stud for this team internationally at, for the 04s and 05s. He actually played up a year as a 16-year-old at U18 Worlds. So he's got two U18 Worlds plus last year's World Juniors under his belt as a goaltender. And then Jacob Fowler has actually been the even better goalie. The, the second-round pick of the Montreal Canadiens has been an even better goalie in college hockey this year for Boston College than Trey Augustine has been. So there's going to be a legitimate goalie battle there with two excellent netminders. So they've got... They've got everything they need to to win gold, and I I think they could put up as we've seen in the last couple of years. It's a little bit more of a watered down tournament without the Russians, and and this American team and the Canadians have really run up some scores. I I think you're going to see that from the Americans through the round robin, and then once they get against Canada and Sweden, I think they're they're the odds on favorites. You know, I, just staying with Jet prospects for a minute, the the Jets will also have Elias Amundsen playing in, and uh, you know for the host Swedes. I'm sure there's a lot of excitement for that team. Tell us about his season so far, what you've seen from him playing again with men over in the Swedish Elite League, and um, what will his role be, and how prominent do you think he'll be on the host team? Yeah, Salomonson's going to be a big, big part of this team. Uh, They've got the deepest blue line in the tournament, for sure. They have seven legitimately excellent defensemen at this level. They have five of those seven are returnees, and the other two are Salomonson, and Matthias Havlid, who I was told last year would have both been on the team last year, if not for injuries. So uh, he sort of broke his foot, broke his ankle last year, and it derailed what was an excellent, excellent start to last season. He actually shocked Skeleftia and the coaching staff and management group there in the SHL last year. At this, this is last going back to last October with how good he looked coming out of his what was a disappointing draft year for him. The only reason he was available in the second round for the Jets was because of a disappointing draft year. He has been tremendous. He's looked like a first-round pick virtually ever since then he's playing a big role he's playing 17 18 minutes a night for that team which is as a teenager in the shl which is arguably the second or third best pro league in the world right now uh is a big deal that's galeftia team that the top prospect on that team is axel sandine pelica the first rounder of the detroit red wings so he gets a little bit more of the shine and the attention in terms of just talk about the young players on that galeftia team but sal monson's been right there with with Sandin Pelica this year, he's played a big role. He's played big minutes at times. He's more of a two-way guy than Sandin Pelica. And I know they, I'm working on a story uh, on Salmonson that'll be out during the tournament. And in speaking with people in Skeleftia, they expect him to be one of the best defensemen in this tournament. He's an excellent skater, really gets up and down the ice. He's a big, strong kid, two-way type, but can really move pucks and skate. Uh, there's there's a lot to like about Sal Monson. I think he's going to be a good sort of number four, number five defenseman in the NHL and give the Jets good value given where they selected him. Scott Wheeler from The Athletic with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk getting ready to drop the puck at the World Junior Hockey Championships on Boxing Day in Sweden. So let's get to the Canadians. Canada got a, a nice early Christmas present from the Boston Bruins getting Matt Poitras loaned to the club. Uh, how does the red and white shape up, Scott? Not not as strong as they've been in recent years. Obviously, they're going for the three-peat. This would be their first three-peat since 2009. So this is something it's they care about it. I've, I've asked them about it, the management group with Hockey Canada. They'll, they'll downplay it and say that it's sort of one year at a time. But the, the, making some history, I think, would be a big deal to them. They also, people forget both of their uh, sort of last two gold medals. They nearly lost to the Slovaks in overtime last year in Halifax. And the year before that, it took Mason McTavish pulling a puck off of the goal line 
for them to beat the Finns and win that gold. So they could have been 0 for 2 in golds coming into this. And now it's okay. The three-peat's within reach. And it's not a strong group as far as Hockey Canada goes. They are still a gold medal contender. They're still one of the two or three best teams in the tournament. They can still beat any of these teams on any given night. I'm confident in that. Uh, but it's a group that that's thin on star power. The, when you start talking about depth, which is what this management group and coaching staff have started to talk about, uh, certainly that's a calling card for Hockey Canada. They're deeper at forward and on defense than most teams in this tournament. Um, but when you're talking about depth, it usually means that there's something lacking up front. And that's the way that this group feels. They're, they're counting on Macklin Celebrini, a 17-year-old, to be excellent. Uh, it, that's very hard to do in this tournament. We lose sight of it because of the 20 points that Connor Bedard had last year, right? Uh, and Alexi Lafreniere won MVP at this tournament in his draft year, but those are more uncommon than not. Alexi Lafreniere was also almost a full year older than Macklin Celebrini. Macklin Celebrini's a summer birthday. Uh, but they need him. They need him to be star power. They need him to be their best forward or second best forward if they're going to win a gold medal. Uh, so it, there's a lot riding on him. There's a lot light riding on three players on the back end. I expect that in, in, when push comes to shove, this isn't actually a super deep group on the back end. But they do have three players at the top in Denton Matejchuk, Tristan Luneau, and Maverick Lamoureux who are top, top players at this level. And I think all three could play 25 plus minutes a night with a couple, probably Tristan Luno pushing 30 in this tournament when it matters most. Uh, so they're going to need those guys. They're going to need Matt Savoy, who, who you obviously uh, West Coast hockey fans and, and Winnipeg fans are familiar with from his time with the Winnipeg Ice. They're going to need Matt Savoy to be a top player in this tournament. They're going to need Jordan Dumay, the Columbus Blue Jackets second rounder, who's been lighting it up for the last two seasons. Well, really the last three seasons, but especially the last two seasons in the QMJHL, putting up numbers that we haven't seen since Sidney Crosby was in the league kind of thing. Um so they're, they're counting on a few players to be stars. And if those guys can't be that for them at the same level that Cutter Gauthier is going to be for the Americans and Will Smith is going to be for the Americans and Lane Hudson is going to be for the Americans and Seamus Casey is going to be for the Americans. If they can't match that level, they might be in tough. They might be more of a silver or a bronze medal team in this year's event. Uh, but if they get if they get the best out of, out of guys like Celebrini and Savoy and those three on the back end, they'll have, they'll have a chance to play with anybody. Scott, speaking of the back end, uh, you mentioned Denton Matejchuk. He, of course, is from uh, Dominion City here in Manitoba. Um, you mentioned what a big role he's going to be, and I imagine he's likely going to be the QB on the power play as well, getting yep. significant responsibility when Canada has the man advantage. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Denton's Denton's the real deal. I think there's a chance he's he's the captain of this team as well. I expect that announcement in the next 48 hours here. Uh, I think there's a real chance he's a captain. If not, I would expect him to wear wear a letter. Um, they like him a lot. They like, obviously, the offense is the offense. That's his bread and butter. He's riding a season-long point streak in the WHL at the moment. There hasn't been a single game he's played in the WHL. He hasn't registered a point in this season. Uh, he had two goals yesterday in their first pre-tournament game against a, a U25 team from Denmark. Uh, he's he's going to be a huge huge part of this team power play obviously but I think they think despite the fact that he's only five foot eleven and he's sort of on the smaller side I think they think he can be a big time defender at, at this level as well so uh, I I'm looking forward to seeing this uh, what he can do in this tournament uh, there's been so much attention placed on that young group that the Blue Jackets have whether it's Adam Fantilli David Yurichek you go down the list Cole Sillinger Kent Johnson. 
but I think I think Denton's got an opportunity to be a real big part of of the future of the Columbus Blue Jackets, as does Jordan Dume. And those guys will the, this this team Canada is going to go as far as those two Blue Jackets prospects might take them in this tournament. So they're going to need him to be putting up points. They're going to need him to play big minutes defensively, uh, and and he's going to have to sort of do it all for this team on the back end. Uh, uh, Scott, what about the goaltending situation for Canada, and how big of a surprise was it the Jet draft pick Dom DiVincentis didn't crack the roster? I think if you'd asked me that question in the summer, coming off the season that he'd had in North Bay, OHL goaltender of the year, all of that, I would have told you that he was probably a front runner, if not to be the number one, then certainly to be sort of in in the tandem, uh, no less than than the number three, that's for sure. So that speaks to the struggles that he's had this year. He hasn't been good this year. He wasn't good in camp. I think they decided going into camp that this wasn't a year where they had Dylan Garand or Devin Levi or Joel Hoffer. For all, for all the talk of what Canada has, uh, the question marks around Canadian goaltending development and the pipeline for goalies in this country, Canada has actually got excellent performances in recent years from their goaltenders. Hoffer, Levi were, were both tremendous. Dylan Garand was very good. Last year, uh, Thomas Millich didn't start the tournament as a starter, but emerged and was tremendous uh, for, for Canada and made a game-saving save in overtime in the quarterfinals against Slovakia. They could have ended their tournament and had a much different history uh, in terms of talking about last year's team and Bedard and the gold medal and all of that. Um, so they, they, they entered this camp thinking, okay, we've got four guys. We're going to invite them all. And whoever plays better in the two games against the U sports and the red and white scrimmage are going to be our guys. And the fact of the matter is that he struggled. He struggled in practice. He looked leaky in practice. There were a couple of times where the, the, the coaches were warming him up and he was letting shots from the coaching staff leak through him. And uh, a couple of times where I turned to colleagues and said, Dom just doesn't look, he doesn't look up to this. So uh, I'm sure disappointing for him because he is a legit prospect. He was very good last year. He's a 19-year-old, so this was his last kick of the can, uh, but just sort of didn't didn't win the job, and, and they they left it open this year. It wasn't going to be about pedigree. It was going to be about riding the hot hand, and he just wasn't the hot hand for, for this year. Scott will uh, be focusing in on the Jet prospects in Team Canada, uh, but for draft Knicks, they always like to uh, pay attention to young men that are going to hear their names called in the first round. You mentioned Macklin Celebrini. He uh, could go number one overall. Um, just quickly, any other key draft eligible players in this tournament that uh, fans should make a point of uh, keeping their eye on? Yeah, a couple of them. Uh, the big one after Celebrini is probably Consta Hellenius with the Finns. They're in Canada's group. Canada plays the Finns on Boxing Day, so you'll get introduced to him early in the tournament if you tune in. Uh, Hellenius is a top five to 10 pick in this upcoming draft. And this is a very weak Finnish team relative to recent years. They didn't get Joachim Kemmel back from the Nashville Predators. They are dealing with two injuries to Aaron Kiviharju, who would have been another top prospect playing for them uh, for the 2024 draft, and Jesse Nurmi, an Islanders prospect. They've got Calgary Flames prospect Tapi Rani, who is, would have been a returnee but is under investigation for rape back home in Finland and is not participating with the team. So this is a group that, as is, for the Finns, was already thin. And then you subtract four or five guys who would have been a part of it, and suddenly it's really thin. And as a result... 
Hellenius and Emil Hemming, the other top prospect for 2024 uh, with this Finnish group, both of them could play leading roles. There's a chance that Costa Hellenius is a top six center for the Finns, maybe even their first line center. He's certainly going to be on their first power play. He's been excellent at the pro level in Finland this year for an 18-year-old having a tremendous season, a, a better season than we saw Yes, Barry Kotkaniemi, who went third overall, for example, have um, a better season than Yuri Slavkovsky, who went first overall, had. So um, that piece of it is exciting. He's a legit, he's smaller for a centerman, but a legit sort of five foot ten, five foot eleven skill guy. Uh, and then the other one, if I mentioned David Yurichek, the Columbus Blue Jackets fifth overall pick a moment ago. His younger brother, Adam, is a top 15, top 20 pick. Uh, there are some scouts who believe he's a top 10 guy. I'm not quite there. But Adam Yerchek, who was coming off of an injury of his own, similar to McGrory, was injured about a month ago and is now back and fully healthy. Uh, Adam's going to be a, 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 a staple on the back end for this for this Czech team this year. So uh, those are probably the three guys other than Celebrini that I would immediately sort of draw your attention to. If there was one more, I'd add Zeev Boyum, who's going to potentially be the I talked about the big three on the blue line for the Americans but he could be their fourth guy in that top four there uh if not going to be a huge huge part of their third pairing and likely run a second power play unit behind Lane Hudson for that team Zeev has had a borderline historic season in college hockey he's one of the leading scorers in college hockey as a defenseman for Denver He's playing uh, sort of first pairing minutes as a as a true freshman at Denver uh, under uh, David Carl, who is the head coach at Denver and also the head coach of this American team at the World Juniors. So he's he's a, a legitimate prospect. His older brother, Shy, is a prospect of uh, sort of was a second round pick of of the Detroit Red Wings. But Zeev is a full cut above that sort of doing things like Adam Fox and Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes type of numbers, uh, maybe not that level of a prospect in terms of a, a, a true sort of future star. But I think the expectation is that Zeeb's going to be a good offensive defenseman in the NHL and, and people are really going to get introduced to him on that American team. Yeah, it's pretty good company uh, to be uh, mentioned in uh, with those names. Um, Scott Wheeler is with us. Scott, I know you got to run, get out to Sweden. Thanks so much for doing this and uh, fill people in on what you and the athletic team will have cooking from Sweden throughout the tourney. Yeah, I'll have, I've got stories prepped on nine or ten guys that I want to dive in on, guys I haven't told sort of deep features on before that I think have interesting stories. As I mentioned off the top for Jets fans, one of those is Sal Monson. So you can expect a feature on Sal Monson at some point while I'm over there. Uh, and then just uh, the, the typical notebook and coverage. And then after the tournament, I'll jump right into my annual uh, prospect pool rankings, which is kind of my biggest project of the year. So I'll be, uh, I'll be doing prospect rankings for all 32 teams at the athletic in January and the Jets will obviously uh, sort of feature amongst that. And they've got a pretty good thing going with, McGrady and Lucius and Brad Lambert's had a bounce back season at the pro level this year. And things are, they've got, they've got some good young talent coming there. And obviously Sal Monson's a part of that as well. So uh, looking forward to once the tournament wraps to breaking down all of the Jets, uh, Jets prospects. Well, listen, have a great tourney, uh, a very happy new year and Merry Christmas with the fam before you head out. And uh, we'll be calling you to get back and talk some jet prospects coming up in 2024. Thanks for doing this, Scott. Thanks pal. All right, great stuff with uh, Scott Wheeler from uh, one of our athletic favorites to another, Murata Tesh, coming up in just a second. Wait till you get a load of him today, folks. Um, big game tonight, Detroit, and then, man, what a way to get into the holidays. Friday night, 
against the Boston Bruins. Um, but there are some other holiday games. 1 p.m. on December 30th against the Minnesota Wild and the Tampa Bay Lightning ring in the new year, January 2nd. Tickets, of course, are on sale right now. WinnipegJets.com slash tickets. And check out the website uh, for game packs and more, which might make a great last-minute Christmas gift for the Jet fan in the family. And uh, as we said, team is playing great. Certainly, if you've been holding out, waiting to get back to the rink, now would be a great time to do it. A couple more original six games this week, and then uh, an exciting schedule heading into the new year with the Jets battling for first place in the Central Division. Um, big thanks to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. I know people are probably already working on some thinking about New Year's resolutions and more. And um, listen, making the most of your health has to be at the top of that list. And Vita Health is a great spot to start with great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And Canada's number one line of men's health products and supplements, Prairie Naturals. Get on down to one of six Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at myvita.ca. And don't forget, VitaHealth also has Winnipeg's largest selection of local products, which might go very well with your Christmas dinners or even as a gift idea for someone in the family. VitaHealth, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Six locations and online at myvita.ca. Wallace and Wallace are Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists since 1946. And... Everybody knows that they're the kings of all things fencing in town, but you might not know that they're also the leaders in overhead garage doors. And that overhead garage door of yours had a lot of ups and downs in the summer and fall, but it's working a whole lot harder now because winter puts much more stress on a garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call Wallace & Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service there's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace and & Wallace. And hey, with Christmas parties and New Year's coming up and the new year around us, you might be thinking it's time to step up the menswear game. And got to tell you, uh, F Apparel gift card might be a great gift for yourself this holiday season. And get ready because next week there'll be amazing Boxing Day deals all week long down at F Apparel at 190 Smith Street. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. Get on down there before and after Christmas. Take care, of, take advantage of the great deals. 190 Smith Street. And, of course, you can also make an appointment, find out more about F, buy a grift card, all online at ephapparel.com. All right. Let's welcome in. Have we gone through a time machine or something like that? Because Murata Tesh, right out of the barber's chair, it looks like, debuting a new look to the people on WST. You look great, my friend. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Christmas to you. What? Oh. Oh. Time machine so I could announce the return of Dustin Bufflin or something like that. But I thought it was time. I thought it was time to look fresh, and I thought that we may as well debut it on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Well, looking good, man, and great to have you here at the holidays. You know, um, we've had some great stuff in The Athletic lately, and we'll get to that in a minute with a couple really interesting topics from readers and listeners that popped up in the latest mailbag. Um, but let's first off talk about the present. Um, game tonight against the Detroit Red Wings, and... 
to no one's surprise, considering what Bones had to say yesterday, a bit of a shakeup with the power play. I mean, before we even talk about the move of Ayafalo and Perfetti, um, Marat, this is kind of the second extended period where the Jets have been pretty cold with the man advantage. Um, why are they having the issues that they're having, in your opinion, on the power play with the amount of talent they have in a group that has performed at a much higher level in the past? For me, it's about motion. It's about movement. I think that when I watch it these days, man, does that puck sort of stand still? And not only does it stand still on the on whoever has it at the time, and you know, I kind of want to pick on Mark Shifley a bit because he would be the quarterback if there is one on on that unit from the half wall. I mean, who has better vision than him? Who makes passes better than him? And yet, uh, he's sitting there with the the puck on a stick. And he said the other night that. Part of it is about players, you know, not always being in the right exact spots. He's looking for things that he expects. And if it can be done by instinct, everything is good. But you compare that to a lot of the power plays that have a lot of success. And not only does the puck carrier have a little bit more of a proactive energy about him, but the players who don't have the puck are moving quite a bit as well. There's so much more off puck movement so that when they receive a pass, you know, they're either attacking a shooting lane, they're moving into space, and they're doing things that open up the, the penalty-killing formation. And right now, I don't see any of that from the Winnipeg Jets. It looks like it really has grinded to a standstill. You know, I was we were talking about this a little bit yesterday, and I remember having a very similar conversation with you earlier in the season when the power play was stagnant, to say the least. And if I recall correctly, the Jets finally broke that long stretch of lack of success on the power play with IXL Fallow literally on the edge of the crease, banging went in against the Vegas Golden Knights. And it seemed at that point, and I believe that was right after the Rangers were here. And we remember how Chris Kreider, I mean, the human eclipse was just in front of Connor Hellebach. And listen, very few people can tip pucks like Kreider did. But a big part of their success was first of all moving the puck around quickly but also having that big imposing body in front of the goaltender and that streak for the Jets ended when Iafalo scored on believe it was Logan Thompson whoever was in net for Vegas that night and it was nothing special it was getting more pucks on net it was having some traffic in front and taking advantage of that extra body is that sort of what you think Rick Bonus is trying to get at uh, again tonight when they move Ayafalo into that bumper spot with the potential of creating a little bit more havoc and at least make the goaltenders work a bit harder to make saves? Well, I think so, because I think it was John Liu who asked Rick Bonus about that this morning at Canada Life Centre, um, what what he was looking for. And Bonus referenced early days and Alex Ayafalo's success. And I think that sort of that is his play getting back to a time when he thought that things were going a little bit better. The other side of it was puck retrievals. Uh, you know, after the game on Monday night, when I asked Bonus what was going wrong on the power play, he said two things. One, they weren't shooting at all, not nearly enough. They weren't getting enough chances. But then two, when they did get those chances, they weren't doing a good job of getting those pucks back and holding on to them to keep it going. And I think Alex Iafalo is a, a bigger bet on that second part of that in terms of his puck retrieval abilities compared to maybe Perfetti's on the wall off a rebound. For me, the traffic element, it is something he's had success at for sure. 
And I, I kind of, I think there are two theories about it. One is put a big guy in front, that Chris Kreider, that elite deflector, that guy that's taking the eyes away by battling for that, that space. And another is about timing. Not just the guy that's immediately in front, but the guy in the center slot as well, if there is one, if the shot's coming from the top. Um, they talk a lot about moving through the goaltender's eyes at just the right time, as opposed to fighting for that space the whole shift long, which is what I think we were more raised on. I was raised on the idea that a guy would just go there and stay there. Either way, I don't think enough is happening on that front. And when a power play begins to look like it's running out of ideas, they hold it, they're looking around, they're not seeing something that they like. I've, I think history would prove this right. When they start throwing pucks on net and creating just a little bit of chaos, hoping for the best and sort of making a little bit greasier, I feel like that opens things up, gets people another half second or half step of space so that the playmakers can make their plays. Um, Perfetti, uh, he is a player that I think can bring so much to the power play. Irregardless of everybody else in the mix, when you look at Cole Perfetti and you think about where he can bring the most benefit to the power play, where is that spot in your mind, Murat? And, and, and is that changing as he gets more confident, more mature, and might that be different in a year or two as to where he fits right now? Yeah, in, in an ideal world, for me, Cole Perfetti has the puck on his stick a lot more than he does now. Like, he... I don't see him him as an ideal net front, possibly a bumper depending on how things run. But for me, it's it's the half wall on either side. Um, he's a guy who makes decisions at a really fast rate. He executes plays. He finds seams. He also has a really good habit of, of sort of selling one idea but having the patience to make uh, another play that cuts through a seam. He's a guy whose decision-making I would want leading a power play in an ideal circumstance at the same time, I have some patience for the fact that, you know, one of the things that make Blake Wheeler so good at what he did for so many years on one of Winnipeg's best power plays ever was the execution rate. He made his pass, you know, that seam pass, you know, nine out of 10 times or better. Is Perfetti there yet with his experience? I'm not sure, but I do want him getting more of that puck. But for me right now, so Mark Shifley gets that job mostly now. Sometimes it'll run off of Nick Ehlers for a second or two. I think the thing that bugs me most about the power play is that when you look at best practices, and for me, I think Toronto pioneered this a few years ago. Edmonton set NHL records with this last year. Everybody is a threat. Everybody is moving. And um, it's not as though there's one quarterback looking for shooting options, like Bonus talked about today. It's as if, Every time that there's a new puck carrier, that puck carrier is the quarterback and all four other players are moving into space to be dangerous. And I think Winnipeg runs things mostly through Shifley right now. I don't think you'd ever want to see them not use Shifley because he's such a good weapon. I would think you'd want to move it so that Perfetti had more of that puck, so that Ehlers had more of that puck, and that everybody else was rotating to become dangerous for that person. Uh, Agreed on that. Um, And I think with that comes more shooting opportunities. I, I think back to the San Jose game and, you know, I mean, they had a, a number of opportunities. The Sharks sort of knew what was coming and like they weren't very aggressive, but they just sort of pulled back, got one guy in that shooting lane, had a bunch of guys around the front of the net and just simply didn't have enough room 
um, you know, room to get that puck through, and it really did make it through before it even got to the goaltender. Um, when the Jets, I, I'm with you. I mean, when the Jet power play has looked at its best, um, not only is the puck moving quickly, but so are the players. And it, it is weird. And I guess maybe you just get into a bit of a funk or a rut. And that sort of feels like where this team is at right now when it comes to five on four, which is weird because the minute the guy comes out of the penalty box, they look great again. Yeah, I, I want to add one more uh, one more thought to this, which is much older school than I think you'd associate me with. If a penalty kill is having success against the Winnipeg Jets by collapsing to the middle like they are and by daring Winnipeg to look for a seam through them, which does not exist, you know what I want? I want them to line up clappers from the point. I want Josh Morrissey shooting head height at these guys. And I know that sounds horrible. Um, maybe top corner height, we'll say. But I think that if you're collapsing a PK down there, um, my the game theory in me says make it painful. Make it painful for that to be a, the go-to option. Make it a bigger challenge than it is. Instead of looking for that, you know, one more pass to the top, one more pass to the side, blast away and see how, see how long guys are willing to stand there. <laughs> uh, I can't disagree with you on that. Now, I mean, I guess as we get into um, conversation about the Jets through 30 games, special teams, I mean, not that we want to nitpick because this has been a great start to the season and this team could wake up tomorrow morning in first place if they can win tonight. Um, but we haven't seen the results on the PK as well. And Bones today talked about getting away from doing those things. What What's missing on the PK right now? Because we know the goaltending is back to where the Winnipeg Jets want it to be. Yeah, it's interesting. Rick Bonus has been talking this week about shot blocking. And, you know, I, I get that. You know, if you have the opportunity to block a shot in the NHL, it's one of the ways that you help your team out. And it's one of the ways that players show each other how dialed in they are and how much they care if they're willing to, you know, crack a bone or have a uh, have a puck go off one of the shot blockers on their skates these days because so many so many of them wear them. Like, I think every Jets defenseman wears shot blockers on their skates. I might be wrong, but it's the majority for sure. Um, so I think that that's important to bonus. For me, though, this was pointed out to me by somebody on Twitter, BFJ. I don't know this person's real name, but this is just a... a you know, a handle that I've interacted with a bunch, that Winnipeg's blocking very close to the same amount of shots as ever. Very close to the same percentage of shot attempts are getting blocked by the Jets this year as last. And it's actually the total shot volume. Winnipeg is giving up way more shots, period, this year than last. And for me, it's, at least to my eyes, what happens is that when, when pucks get moved around the outside against Winnipeg, instead of having a real firm identity of, when to stay compact and when to open up. I feel as though Winnipeg does open up seams. There are seams available up against, like against the Jets PK. And maybe that's being a half foot in the wrong direction or a, or a stick in the wrong spot. Those are the sorts of small spaces NHL power plays need. Um, but I think when teams move the puck around on Winnipeg, they open up a little bit more than, than their opponents are doing. And so I think it's those seams and the idea that teams can get the shot that they want earlier in the sequence, that's a big problem. Well, you know, we could sit here and uh, groan about special teams, but in the big picture, it has been a hell of a first 30 games. And um, I think we could probably pull everyone, put the truth serum into most people that are with us in the chat right now at over 400 people. By the way, hit that thumbs up and uh, make sure you're subscribed to the channel, everyone. Great to see you here. I don't think a lot of people had the Jets as a first-place team or even in the mix 
at Christmas time. Um, and to do it without really top level play on special teams, I think speaks even more to how far this team has come when it comes to five on five play. When you compare the five on five numbers, the structure of the club, the defensive play, how far has this team come along from last year's unit under Bones? Yeah, I think that it's such a nice improvement and I think it's earned. I think that a lot of the things that Bonus was preaching early on and the Jets had good success with in the first half of last year have become instincts, have become habits, have become the game that the Jets fall back to even when they're tired at the end of a long shift or what have you. So like before Bonus arrived, I, I think about defense as the, the area Winnipeg needed to improve on the most. Before Bonus arrived, Winnipeg played zone for a second or two on, on defense but the moment that they got beat, the moment that a player lost his uh, spot or things looked dangerous, and I don't know all of the triggers they had, but very early on, Jets were switching to a man-to-man system under Paul Maurice. And that can work. Vegas has done great things with the man-to-man, especially early on. I know they've moved away from it recently. Man-to-man can work in the NHL. Winnipeg wasn't making it work. And what teams were doing against the Jets was once they got it, the Jets scrambling and, okay, now they're a step behind. The trigger says go man-to-man. Well, teams would cycle towards the top of the Jets zone, and then you'd have Josh Morrissey following his guy to the top of the zone. He'd be drawn far away from the Jets' net, um, and teams would be able to use the full zone against Winnipeg. Last year, Bonus switches to a zone defense. He starts preaching protect the dots, protect the middle of the ice, the area between the dots, I mean to say. And the Jets have some success with that, but you could see when they get tired, and I've, I was watching clips for this for a piece recently, when they get tired, their instincts almost begin to take over and they chase and they abandon the middle of the ice and teams beat them there. I was watching a few shifts uh, against Colorado when this year when Colorado was really running around on the Jets. They had a lot of zone time, a lot of possession, and no matter who was on the ice for the Jets, they didn't panic. They didn't abandon the net front. The Jets maintained three players in front of the net between the dots at all times of a long defensive zone shift. And it's like, okay, have the puck on the outside. This area is safe. And I think that's one of the areas the Jets have done so much better with this year consistently. The other thing that contributes to that is Winnipeg's wingers used to have very limited role on defense other than when they got to -to man-to-man hold on to their guy. Now you see the weak side winger, Um, is often the one that's dropping to the middle of the ice with consistency, playing a role there. They're tracking that fourth player that, you know, the opposing team's defense really well. There's a lot more impact from a lot of the same players as before. And then you're also getting Ayafalo, Niederreiter, Nemesnikov, et cetera, et cetera. There's been so much good stuff happening on that front, by and large, this season. You know, um, we've talked a lot about the depth of this team and – you know, I think that was naturally going to be somewhere that the Jets thought that they would improve on when you make a three-for-one trade, when you add a couple players at the deadline for picks and keep them in the fold. Um, how would you compare, and this sort of leads into, you know, the comparison that you had from a very interesting question from a reader in The Athletic on comparing this year's team to really the standard for the Winnipeg Jets since 2011 in the 17-18 18 team. I guess before we make that comparison, how valuable has the depth been? And, and again, 
we kind of go back and forth between what we call the third line because of the usage of Adam Lowry's line and how important they've been and how successful they've been at five on five. But that fourth line, the ice time they're getting, um, in your opinion, how much of that has been a part of the success of the team uh, and the fact that pretty much everyone seems to have a hand in these wins night after night? Yeah, I think that's important. And I like to think that in team building, the more players that can feel like they have a piece of success, like that bodes well in ways that are tough to measure. That bodes well long term. I think that you get more from your fourth line in the playoffs if they, if you can believe in them now and they know how important they are to the team's success. And I think that that's I think that's extremely important. The other side of depth is is not just having so many good players that the fourth line is pretty good. It's that some of the specific players Shevel Dayoff has added and retained do things that were missing from previous generations of Jets. And Nito Niederreiter bulldogging to the front of the net and then tracking back 200 feet to be that winger that chases a guy right all the way to the far post. I mean, end to end, that kind of commitment to defense, that's depth because he's on the third line and he has offensive ability on that third line doing the, doing what he does. Nemesnikov, similarly consistent in that effort. Ayafalo as well. Gabriel Velarde's ability to track back and knocks, knock puck down with a really active, aggressive stick it means that Winnipeg, and then you get to the fourth line where all of those guys have a lot of defensive hustle to them. It means Winnipeg has at least one player on every single line who you can trust to do all of those right things. And it's usually more than one player to the Jets' credit as well. So I think that it's not just depth, but it's the skill set that that depth has brought since the trade le- deadline to now. And, you know, I want to give Kevin Dayoff credit for identifying pieces that would really help. Well, I, I mean... Speaking of Chevy, and I mean, we sort of brought this up earlier this week, but when, I mean, there was no more Chevy game than Saturday night against Colorado. I mean, you've got a team that's going up against the standard in the Central Division, a recent Stanley Cup champions, the team that has been the measuring stick in their division for the last number of years, and you beat them with their first five goals of the game by players that were either acquired at the deadline and extended or acquired in the uh, in the trade with LA for Pierre Luc Dubois, um, I, I made this suggestion when we were talking with Greg Wyshynski yesterday, and he did agree. I mean, if the Jets are able to, and I realize this is an award that's voted on during the playoffs, I don't know exactly where that is. So obviously, playoff success is going to have a huge role in this. But for a guy that was taking a lot of heat from a lot of different corners. Um, this has been one of the best jobs that Dayoff has done on a single team, I think I would argue, and probably puts him in the conversation for the top GM in the league this year. And I don't think a lot of people were expecting that six months ago. Yeah, fair play. I mean, he's on a heater, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's paying dividends as well. And I, I think last year when the team wasn't playing the way that you would want it to play and... Um, you know, sir, they go out in the first round against a very good Vegas Golden Knights team. One of the things sort of to shovel, not to shovel day off's credit was he wasn't really able to articulate, okay, we weren't good. Here's why, here's what I'm going to do about it. And I think that that perception of management is influenced by what he's able to tell you as a plan. And he just gave so little in that regard and, you know, sort of obfuscated whatever his plans were at the time. I think that's tough for for people to buy into. Now, fast forward, he's made a great trade. That Pierre-Luc Dubois trade was fantastic. 
He's signed two players in Shifley and Hellebuck that you have to sign if you're telling the league we're here to win. That retention game is one of the biggest challenges Winnipeg has, and those are two stars. And then you get Niederreiter locked down, and you know, like you you get to sell to Cole Perfetti, whose contract is up at the end of the year. Look at what we're building here. I think that that's a lot of good stuff and some great momentum. When it comes to GM awards, you know, somebody asked me why didn't Chevy get that award last year? I'm like, well, they were first round exit, a second half collapse, and you really didn't see the payoff yet. This year, if they really outperform expectations, as it looks like they're going to do, finish in the top half of the West, I think that there's a really, really compelling case, especially because it's not just that he was active, but the guys he picked up are having such big pieces of the Jets' success. Well, and and listen, I mean, you know, I kind of pointed out the guys that were newcomers and that were picked up and that, you know, obviously kind of exploded in that game Saturday night against the Avalanche. But I don't know about you. I don't think that there's anything that even comes close to the effect on the team right now into the future than the dual extensions of Hellebuck and Shifley on Thanksgiving. I mean, can you imagine what we would be talking about right now if both of those players were on expiring contracts? And and I, and I also wonder what that would work and look like within the dressing room. I mean, for on so many levels, Marat, that was something that calmed the team, set the plan very clearly as much as they wanted to say, Hey, we're a contender. We're going to be that way. Uh, I mean, we see the fruits of that every single day and not just because Shifley is looking as good as he has in years. And Connor Hellebuck is once again, being Connor Hellebuck and the team's winning consistently. You know, I was thinking while you were talking about that, like think of the, 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 the down years in recent Jets history Every single one of them is marked by a player and probably a marquee player who wanted out. Like, so the Jets are great in 2017-18, great through most of 18-19, and then Bufflin essentially exits the NHL the, the very next year. The Jets scramble. Then you've got Patrick Laine on his way out, Pierre-Luc Dubois on his way out, uh, Andrew Kopp to a, to a lesser degree. I mean, he's in town tonight, not as big of an impact as those guys. Rick Bonus talks a lot right now about, hey, everybody who's here wants to be here. And there's got to be something to that. Um, I, I fully believe that there is. Shifley and Hellebuck committing like they did, I think, sends a pretty big message to a lot of people. And it certainly feels like everybody's pulling on the same rope. And uh, it feels like a good room to be around right now from, from my perspective as well. And that's all got to go into it. I, I really believe in that. This is a... This is an aside, and I've been trying to figure out how to articulate it. But one of my first jobs at a university was I worked in student recruitment at the University of Manitoba. One of the things that we always wondered about was after you recruit the students, after they're signed up, how many people make it through that degree? How many people do you retain? And retention was a thing that we studied and had analytics for and all that sort of stuff. I think that retention is one of the single biggest pieces of Winnipeg Jets' success when things are going well and failure when things are not that 2018 team, the best one that Winnipeg has ever had 114 points, Western conference final, you build that on the back of a bunch of young players, right? Like guys on ELCs, guys on second contracts that are cheap guys like Shifley and Wheeler at that time, who's like long-term contracts were also affordable for the team. 
yeah, if you're in Winnipeg and you want to win, you have to have a plan for retention. And I think Shifley and Hellebuck are that plan because that's what you can sell to a whole lot of other people right now. Well, exactly. I mean, listen, Nito Niederreiter was, um, you know, the guy that said, hey, he wanted to be back and he was hoping to earn another contract, saying all the right things. Um, but I'll tell you what, if you are in and out every single day, the locker room is full of what's happening with these guys, who's getting traded... I'm not sure it was as easy to get a deal done at something that made as much sense for the team than it was. Um, and then the ability, and I mean, Mark Scheifele the best example of this, um, eliminating the noise, having everything be taken care of, and just worry about one thing, and that's winning hockey games and doing what you can do best to help your team win. And I think there's a trickle-down effect amongst everybody else in that room right now and, uh, and and we're seeing it. Um, Murad, just before we go, I quickly wanted to touch on this, and folks should go and read the entire piece in The Athletic. I had never really thought about comparing this year's team to the 2017-18 team, but, you know, with where the team is right now and the way they played specifically at 5-on-5, five five, which to me is the huge uh, thing that differentiates this year's team and last year's team that actually had a better record at this point through 30 games. Um, when you compare those two, like, I think it's pretty clear that, I mean, Dustin Bufflin is irreplaceable and a unique guy, J Jacob Truba with what he did on the right side and to have Tyler Myers in a third pairing role was a real luxury that just doesn't happen right now in the, in the NHL. But from a forward perspective with the way guys are at, what do you think make of the comparison of the top 12 right now, the way they're playing with the top 12 we had when the team went to the Western Conference Final. Yeah, I, I like the comparison because I think that there's some similarities. This is one of the best versions of Mark Scheifele's line since that year, that first line on Winnipeg. I mean, with Kyle Connor and Blake Wheeler at the time, that was a force. And Connor was new to the league. He was tearing things up. Wheeler was driving play like he, you know, close to how he did at his peak. And Scheifele was well on his way up. That was a great line. You, you look at what he's been able to do at 5-on-5 five five with Gabriel Velarde and Nikolai Ehlers of late, and certainly the offense is there. The 5-on-5 five five numbers are great too. Uh, so there's a lot of similarities there. For me, that third line, this is the best version of the Adam Lowry line since back in that day too. And the idea is that you always, you know, you always knew you were, gonna get a, you were going to get a great Adam Lowry if you gave him impactful line mates. This one might be even better because Nito Niederreiter can finish so well from, from up close. So I think there's a lot of similarities between the first and third line on paper there. I also like the second lines as, as comparable because for so much of that season, Brian Little was playing between Patrick Line and Nikolai Ehlers. It was Little and the kids. He had a lot of work to do to keep that line you know, playing in the offensive zone with those two young players on his line and didn't quite get above 50%. It took Paul Stastny's arrival before that line was driving play and right now, if there is a line that's a question mark in Winnipeg, it's Cole Perfetti, the young guy, Vladislav Nemesnikov, and then whoever's been playing with them uh, of late. You know, Ehlers was a great fit there. But uh, but anyway, so I think that there's similarity there. If you could add a Paul Stastny to that line, they'd be cooking too. Um, I give the playoff Jets fourth line from, uh, from 2018 a pretty big advantage, though it would be limited minutes if these two teams were going head-to-head. Because -head. if you have Matthew Perot and Brian Little and Jack Roslovic on your fourth line, I just trust them to create a little bit more than you'd get off of, uh, you know, Gustafson and Barron and Kupari and Axel Gonson-Fialbi as, as the rotation has been.
Well, it's a fun conversation to have. And as we move into 2024, we can start talking about, is there a Paul Stastny out there? Do they do something with the blue line, despite a big bounce back by a number of guys on the Jet Defense Corps this year? But first things first, a couple big games as we head into Christmas tonight against the Wings. And then a big Friday night tilt against the Boston Bruins, who have been one of the best teams over the last couple of years in the NHL. Marat, have a wonderful holiday season. Enjoy these games. We'll see you at the rink. And uh, look forward to hopefully talking one more time in 2023 next week. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me, as always, sir. Hair looks great, by the way. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Uh, there's Marat Atesh, as, as he's referred to in the chat today. A modern man Marat. <laughs> definitely looking uh, definitely looking good. All right, Rewiki's coming up. I uh, do want to thank our friends at Princess Auto for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk Gang. Everyone knows that Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique and coolest set of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is over at Princess Auto. Still time to head up Panet Road or Portage Avenue West just in time for Christmas. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com and keep your eyes out for big Boxing Day deals next week at Princess Auto. Um, you still have time to take care of uh, all of your Christmas shopping with one quick stop at Royal Sports because Royal Sports is the undisputed sports superstore and the number one spot to take care of all of your sports-related Christmas shopping. When it comes to Winnipeg Jets gear, the best selection of jerseys, T-shirts, hoodies, hats, and so much more. Tons of exclusives you won't find anywhere else, as well as tons of jerseys personalized with your favorite player on them in all different sizes and styles. They've also got a great bomber section. NFL merchandise, Major League Baseball, NBA international soccer kits from around the world, the biggest hockey section in town. And when you're thinking about cool Christmas gifts, you've got a great Yeti section there and all sorts of cool things on the King's Skate, Snow, and Surf side. So get it all done in time for the weekend at Royal Sports, 750 Pamina Highway. And of course, follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pamina for the latest merchandise drops, sale information, and last-minute holiday gift ideas. And uh, Jets are back at it tonight. One of only three games on the docket. Uh, and tomorrow, we get going with NFL Week 16. Rams and Saints. Big one coming up. Of course, the best place to watch the NFL with the gang is your local Boston pizza. Win great prizes and enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, and the latest from the uh, Boston Pizza Appetizer menu. Uh, check it out tomorrow for um, Thursday night football. And again, Winnipeg Jets hockey and a big slate of games on this weekend heading into Christmas at your local Boston Pizza. And a special thanks to Boston Pizza for their support year-round here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, let's get Brandon Rowicki in here. Rue, what's going on? How's your whole household right now as we count down to uh, count down to Christmas? You uh, is everything ready? You all set with the youngsters, or uh, is it just the chaos? You weren't even aware that it was in fact Christmas on the weekend. You're just trying to get through today. This was a huge help for me, Hus, because you, you reminded <laughs> me. I forgot, so now I'm good. To... No, we, we just got back from the mall actually, and so. Oh, what's the mall like these days? Yeah. It, uh... We're not going back anytime soon. Let's put it that way. But the little one didn't freak out at Santa's. So, I mean, that was a that was a major W. So that was nice. 
that was uh, that was nice. You know what? Um, you know, it's been uh, the Jets have been on the nice list for pretty much this entire season. Um, but if they were looking for something under the tree, it might be a little more success with the man advantage. What do yeah. you make of the Jets' power play issues as of late? Yeah, that I mean, it's 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 issue number one right now, is it not? I mean, Bones. <laughs> that was kind of like Bones's. Patrick Mahomes moment, right? Like it was just a culmination of <laughs> of weeks of frustration where he's just like enough's enough. And he's right. Like they probably have cost themselves five or six games. That's not even, you know, hyperbole. They it, It's been pretty damaging and it kind of in a way, you know, I think overshadows how good they've played outside of being up five on four this year. I mean, right now the big, I mean, anytime a power play struggles, there's going to be a lack of confidence. But I mean, there, there's that. I mean, it's just evident to see from everybody watching there. And and now they're trying to figure things out without Kyle Connor there. Uh, so it's a different set of circumstances than it had been a few weeks ago. And even when Connor was there, the power play wasn't working great either. So it's trying to figure out a way to get this thing humming. You know, I do wonder a little bit, you know, just because of past performance and things like that, you're looking to maybe just try something to spark the power play. You know, Neil Pionk, has to a degree outperformed Josh Morrissey with the man advantage. I mean, that that could be a potential option that the coaching staff looks at there. But I, I do think getting Gabe Velarde back and having him just be a menace in front of the net, I think that's going to go a long way into getting the power play, hopefully just potting a couple goals every few weeks. You know, I think getting him the puck, as we've seen five on five, good things tend to happen when you get the big guy the puck. Um but I mentioned it to you a, a week or two ago, Huss. I, I wouldn't mind, you know, maybe trying something a little bit different and maybe Cole Perfetti runs the power play, but he does it below the goal line, behind the net, that sort of thing. Um, you know, you've got guys in Shifley and, and Ehlers now that, you know, no doubt about it can absolutely wire it. Um, I don't know if having Ehlers, you know, set up for a one-timer on his side of the ice is going to be the the best recipe for success because he just doesn't shoot the puck the same way that Kyle Connor does. But, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that, I mean, whether it's personnel or just way of attack, it's got to change. you gotta, you got to do something here because, again, the same, the same line of thinking that we were talking about with the penalty kill a few weeks back, you know, league average special teams, the Jets are battling for first in the NHL right now instead of first in the division. Yeah, um, it is. Oh, and it speaks to the foundation of the team, the way they're playing defensively and the way they're playing at five-on-five. And that's why as we look into 2023, like, you know, before it was like, oh, my God, can Hellebuck keep standing on his head? Like, he's been awesome, but he really hasn't had the extremes that he has had in the past. And, I mean, I really believe that if you can consistently play the way the Jets have played at 5-on-5 for 30 games and have that competition within the lineup, have the defense stepping up, and the forwards helping the defense more, that is far more sustainable than running a power play at a really high clip. Um, and, you know, you would say just regression to the mean would tell you that the power play and the PK are going to improve. So I think this is as optimistic as people have been probably in a pretty long time when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets. What do you make, just before we get to Christmas and into the new year, um, Detroit coming in tonight, uh, only one win in seven games. They had that great start. They've kind of fell, you know fallen out a little bit. Now they've had a bunch of goalies injured. Hutch has been signed for the rest of the year on a two-way deal. We'll likely see James Reimer tonight. Um, but um, just 
thoughts on the challenge of the Wings? And then a hell of a game to get into the holiday season with the Bruins in town on Friday night. Yeah, it kind of puts a little more extra importance on this one. You know, you know, don't, don't want to go fishing for two points against Boston too many times. Um, I, I feel like Detroit's just fine. You know, and I they, they had the Larkin incident a, a week or two ago. Um, but when you just look at the, and, and especially in the, the, the murderous conference, that's the East. Like they're they're just a solid team, but I don't think they're they're one that like overly terrifies you or anything like that. Um, so yeah, they, they've they've got good players, like most teams in the league. Like you said, they go on a losing streak. Well, what's the goaltending been like? All right, well, it's been awful, right? That that's usually the the the, the sign of a failing team at the moment. So they a couple injuries as usual with all these other clubs. I mean, who's so? And then Lyon was actually playing pretty good when he got called up for them. But yeah, I I mean. I, I just I, I think they're fine. I can't really give them much more of a compliment than that. They're to, to me kind of the definition of a, of a league average. Like what what what's an NHL average club? That to me is what the Red Wings are. They not that they don't pose any challenges. And I love watching Mo Sider play. Anytime I get to watch him play as a treat, he's just going to be a special player. But I was just going to bring him up, man. He that yeah. guy is going to win Norris trophies, and that guy is going to be. Like I, 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 when they picked him, I think they thought best case scenario, this is going to be our Victor Hedman for the next dozen years. And very early on his career, he seems like he has the potential um, to reach those sort of heights. Yeah. Yeah. When, when the draft happened, it was who, and then it was like, Oh wait, Stevie, why picked him? It's a, it's a home run pick. Don't worry. And then after a year, a he became defenseman. What? <laughs> yeah. And then within 12 months, he's the best player, not in the NHL. So I, it, it was it was a home run pick. He absolutely nailed it. And I mean, it's 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 crazy too. Like he's only twenty two, but it feels like he's been around for forever. And you kind of see the the meteoric jump that that Rasmus Dahlin took last year. I I still think there's another big step for Cider. And and you know just the fact that it seems like his floor is high end top pair defenseman is is kind of terrifying. Um, but in, in a similar vein too. Like I mean, Cider's been great. But but Jake Wallman last year came in and was just this revelation, and he's playing the same way. That that is almost equally as impressive that yeah. you you get this guy out of nowhere and he comes in. I mean that's that's found money right there when you can get somebody that can play as effectively. Um, I know a lot of guys can play well beside Mo Sider, um, but you look at some of the results of the other Red Wings defensemen that have played with him in the past compared to Wallman. Uh, yeah, that's um that, that that's how you can start to build the. Uh, the bones of a contender right there is you, you draft a stud at number six and then you find a guy for cheap and you put him beside him and it's one of the best pairs in hockey. Well, and then, of course, the Bruins coming in. And, and you know, I'll say this. The games where the Bruins are here are always fun ones. I mean, yeah, there's some Bruins fans in the building. But in the past, they've often really brought out the best in the Jets. I mean, I think of some of these games. I mean, the the Brandon Tanev hat trick game. I mean, there there's... All sorts of examples where the Jets maybe weren't quite on the level of Boston, where the Jets have raised their level um, for a team that I think fancies themselves as a team that can play with anybody. Man, this is going to be a fun Friday night heading into a few days of uh, Christmas break. Yeah, it's it's wild too, though, that you know Boston would come in and we'd always be like, just play like them. Like, please, Winnipeg, just play like the Bruins do. But that's not the issue anymore. Like, they they kind of, they, they, there's a little Boston Bruins to the to the style of game that the Winnipeg Jets play now. So, I agree. I, and I think atmosphere, too. You know, 
I don't know what it is. It just it seems like whenever the Bruins come to town, there's a little extra juice in the building. I yeah, I, I think it's going to be a beauty. And um, you know, you want to talk about top defenders and things like that. I mean, they don't get any better than <laughs> there's only two or three guys that are better than Charlie McAvoy, and that that might be stretching it a little bit there. So it's I mean, the Bruins are what the Bruins are, right? They they lose some big guys, even though Bergeron and Krejci are a little bit more. Um, higher up on the food chain than guys they've lost in the past, but it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter with them. They just, it's every single year, a hundred plus points and they're doing it again. And I mean, it's going to be tough to score three, right? Like, I mean, getting three against Boston is a victory in and of itself, but it doesn't guarantee you two points. So yeah, that's, that's always, anytime Boston comes to town, that's a nice bellwether game. Hey, um, uh, um, you know, we followed this guy from his time in the uh, with the Wheat Kings, but um, pretty sad news about Nolan Patrick having to hang him up, eh? That's terrible. Yeah, it's just awful. And, uh, I mean, it's it's easy to, to forget now, but, I mean, he was the number one pick for when he was 16, right? Like, it, it was oh, dude, the Nolan Patrick draft we, for a long time. Down, we sat down with Craig Button, and I want to say in – Philly or in Pittsburgh and you know we're talking to him about all the pro- prospects and he goes hey but I'll tell you what if Nolan Patrick was available right now he might be at the top of the list yeah. I mean he was a consensus guy and then of course that final year before he got drafted the injury started he only played 33 games that year he dropped to number two had two promising years with Philly playing over 70 games in both um, but then just was never able to get off track even after the trade to Vegas. And um, it just goes to show you how fleeting these careers can be. Um, but for such a talented player, obviously from our city here in Winnipeg, um, and a guy that you know was drafted with such high hopes for Philadelphia, um, just wanted to bring that up. Because, yeah, I mean, just a, a really, really unfortunate conclusion to something that had been sort of up in the air for the better part of the last few years really since he got to Vegas. Well, and even as an 18-year-old with Philly, he was he was basically like half a point a game, right? It wasn't like he came in and was just overwhelmed from that. Like it was, mm-hmm. you know, after his first season, I, I can tell you a lot of Flyers fans are like, hey, I mean, as an 18-year-old to put up 30-some-odd points, that's, that's impressive. And it just, from then on, it was just the ultimate nightmare scenario, worst-case scenario. And yeah, it's, it's tragic. I mean, I, I'm not even going to mention the guys taken in and around him, but... I mean, 25, you shouldn't be calling it quits when you're when you're a pro athlete. Right. So it's yeah, sad and unfortunate. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully the post playing career goes out a lot better than the the playing career. for. Yeah, well, and most importantly, he'll be able to, and you know, enjoy and, you know, not be uh, not be hampered by this stuff just in in day to day life. Hey, speaking of the Flyers, we're just about a Christmas. I'm pulling up the standings, dude, and your team is in second place in the Metropolitan Division. How the hell are they doing it? And um, and where are you at? Is it is it is it all in now on the Flyers for 2023, 2024? Well, so the problem, the problem. I mean, there's many problems with this, but the biggest one is I steadfastly was not getting center ice this year. I'm just like, what's the point? Like, there's no reason for it. But now it's so far into it, it's like, well, I don't want to jinx it by getting center ice, but I also <laughs> want to watch these guys every. Like, I, I've seen like maybe 10 or so games of them this year, but I, I, I got to find a way to watch even. And what's wilder too, is they're doing this. You think the Jets power play is bad. <laughs> oh no. The Flyers will raise you a bad power play. Um, it's, it's an epic, it's, it's, it's epic and it's atrocity. 
Um, but they, they're kind of like the Jets, like five on five. They're just a good team. Like there's no other way to put it. Rebuilding, reloading, whatever you want to call what they're doing as a franchise right now, by their on-ice results, they're borderline dominant a lot of the nights. It's 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 pretty crazy. So I, I'm just enjoying Torch watching is them. doing it again, isn't he? Yeah, this is – and you know what? I, I was pretty anti-Torts when the hire was made. I couldn't have been more wrong. I, I, I think he's I think he's awesome. And he loves it. And he he kind of got this bad rap too in Columbus, but he loves playing the kids. And he's made it very clear, like, I'm going to play these guys. Like, I don't want to throw out some 35-year-old for 15 minutes a night. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna play these young guys. I just want them to go out there and be aggressive. And, I mean, they've, they've been led by a bunch of these young studs. Um, so it, it's they're, they're fun. They're fun to watch. I, I got no complaints. It's just going to be fascinating to see what happens now from a, I guess, a team-building slash team chemistry perspective because they've got some pretty, some pretty hefty trade chips to work with here. <laughs> but they're in second in the Metro. Like what? It's just it's so it's so different than how they envisioned the scene going. But at the same time, I mean, if you can get a first round pick for for Sean Walker, if you can get, you know, a mid round pick for a Nick Sealer, if you can maybe move a forward for another high pick, it, it's going to be tough to turn that down. So I'm I'll, I'll be intrigued to see how Danny B handles the uh, the next couple of months. But I mean, look if they. If they do a little selling at the deadline and make the playoffs, that, that's that's the dream scenario to me because they were never going to realistically catch Chicago, San Jose, and, and some of those other teams down there at the bottom. Yeah, I guess we'll get a chance to see Philly here in the peg on Saturday, January 13th. That should be a uh, uh, Hockey Night in Canada game. I think that one's going to be on City TV, but a, uh, thir- a Saturday night game as part of a four-game homestand where Columbus, the Blackhawks, Philly and the Islanders come to town. Hey, just before we go and speaking of Philly, where are you at the freak out meter on what's taking place with the Philadelphia Eagles? And how about Drew Locke on Monday night, 92 yards in the last minute. That that truly was incredible. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> it was really, it was really great. I, I mean, fraud doesn't even do it justice at this point. It's, I, I should probably I should probably like get a subscription to Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio because oh, yeah, I just can't you imagine, imagine the calls. Oh, Let's I, I, light up the lines, everybody, Eagle fans. How you feeling? Yeah, they just yeah they just turn on the turn on the lines, and that's radio for the next four and a half months. It, they're they're a clown show. It, they might be the biggest headed for clown show in history. And I mean the. It's it's funny too because the Patricia decide DC who's this who's that thing is kind of completely overshadowing the fact that you know the wrong coordinator got demoted slash fired because their offense does Italy squad right now and they've got ar- arguably as talented as a group as as anybody outside of San Francisco and they they can't even put up they they couldn't even put up twenty points against a banged up awful Seahawks defense so it's yeah, it's disaster time. There's no doubt about that. I, I thought their only chance of getting back to the Super Bowl was getting the one seed. You get the bye and you get a little bit healthy. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody upsets San Fran. But at this point, man, like it's it's wild to say because they started 10 and 1. I'd be I'd be happy with a playoff victory at this point. It's it's just tough to think they're gonna turn this thing and do a complete 180 and 
three weeks time here they might win the division still but man it's it is oh, it's a ugly, huge ugly, opportunity ugly. on monday huge opportunity on monday blown uh, because they've got two games with the giants sandwiched in with a game against the cardinals i mean they should win those games dallas has got to go into miami this week which is not an easy place i think at cool bet they're minus 270 to win the division um if they don't win the division they're on the road to the nfc south which will be tampa in all likelihood so you could win but i i don't know if they can win without big dom on the sidelines now well, that's the other thing right this this anti-italian discrimination that's going on with the yes. i mean big dom he's just come on he's just trying to break up a, i mean that whole thing was ridiculous too but <laughs> you can't it, it all started you can't lose the big dom game once they lost the big Dom game, it was all downhill from there. The vibes are not good in Philadelphia right now. Well, the good thing is they've got, uh, speaking of Italians, they've got Tommy Cutlets and the Giants coming in. And I'm terrified. That, I would imagine we'll bring up, well, can you imagine though? Like, imagine if the Giants went in and beat them. In well, Philly. I mean, if, if Drew Locke goes 95 on you in the last minute, what's stopping <laughs> Tommy Cutlets from dropping 350? Oh, man. Well, it's going to be a wild, wild weekend uh, and pretty crazy Christmas day with three games on Christmas. Afternoon game, Philly Giants. And then, man, that game, was it seven oh. fifteen? Niners and Ravens. And I think we're going to find out what I think most of us believe to be true. There's San Francisco and then there's everybody else right now. And Baltimore, even at 11 and 3, the number one seed in the AFC right now. I'm not sure they can hang with the 49ers, but I guess we'll find out on Christmas night. It's going to be tough, man. I mean, your your only chance really is rushing four and getting pressure on Purdy. And that's no guarantee either. Like, it, they, yeah, they're scary. They, they, they kind of remind me of what Philly was last year, where it's, you know, there, there's teams that like near the end of the season, you get a sense of, I don't know if, I don't know if anyone's going to match up. And I, I think San Fran's that in the NFC. You know who I think is the second best team in the NFL, though, Hus? Don't say the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills. I knew you were going to say I it. Think, I think they are. I think they are. They, they, they've got the New York Giants vibe, like the Eli Manning. Yeah, I, that's, that is the, the definition of we don't want to face them in January team right there. So um, It's funny. And, I mean, the reason why I immediately went to Buffalo is because I've been thinking about this a lot. And... I would not at all be surprised if it comes to wildcard weekend and we have three garbage games with teams that have no business even being in the playoffs and Josh Allen and Mahomes going at it again. It could absolutely oh, happen where it would be the Bills and Chiefs. And I mean, uh, I'll, I'll take my chances with Mahomes against anybody in the AFC, but at the same time, if you ask me what team scares me in the AFC right now, I think I'd put Buffalo ahead of Miami. I'd put them ahead of Baltimore. I'd put yeah, them ahead of Cleveland. Crazy. I'd put again uh, ahead of all those guys. And there's nothing more dangerous than a team that's been left for dead that has to win all those games and is basically in playoff mode right now and gets in. And the Bills are on the verge of that. And uh, don't worry about the Bills this week. They've got what's left of the Chargers. Um, <laughs> but they do have that Week 18 game against Miami that could be very important yeah. for both teams. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Listen, glad you survived the mall today. 
uh, have a great Christmas with uh, your lovely young family. And uh, hopefully we can check in for uh, one more time in 2023 before New Year's next week. Have a great Christmas, pal. Yeah, you got it. Have a great Christmas and uh, holidays to, to you and everybody else out there. Good stuff, buddy. There's Brandon Rewicki. Check out Skates and Plates wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We'll have some new content heading into the Christmas weekend for you. Find it wherever you get your pods. Search Skates and Plates. All right. Uh, Christmas is here. Are you ready for the weekend? Well, have you stocked up on Winnipeg's favorite local beer yet? 1919 Generic Lager from our friends at Little Brown Jug. Both, by the way, available at Canada Life Centre. If you're upstairs, go to Craft Beer Corner in 310. If you're downstairs, Section 126 is Craft Beer Corner, where the old Moxie's was. Uh, but some great deals right now on Little Brown Jug beers, including eight packs of the light, crisp, fresh, generic lager for just 20 bucks right now at your local beer store or at the Tap Room downtown. And if you do head into the Tap Room, Check out great merchandise options there. Nobody has better beer merch than uh, our friends at Little Brown Jug. But mix and match your 12 favorite cans from LBJ, and they'll hook you up with a $15 gift card for you to enjoy your favorite pints in the tap room. Just a great holiday deal right now. Available now at Little Brown Jug. You can check the website, littlebrownjug.ca. All the merch there as well, as well as local delivery options. And a very... Merry Christmas and happy holidays to Nick and Nikki and Nick and Nikki DQ. Great support of us since day one of Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you're thinking about maybe getting extra festive with your Christmas dinner, <clears throat> pop on down to DQ Polo Park or DQ Northgate and get your hands on one of the world-famous DQ ice cream cakes. And you can always hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Send them a photo if you want and get a customized DQ ice cream cake for literally any occasion. And for those of you out in Niverville way, don't forget they've got the new Pita Pit open in Niverville as well. Healthy, fresh, delicious, fast, with great catering options too. And they'll cater in the city as well. Hit them up on Instagram or X at Pita Pit Niverville. Um, tomorrow, really looking forward to our next It Takes a Community to Play segment with Sport Manitoba, brought to you by Manitoba Liquor, uh, Liquor and Lotteries. We'll be talking about moving from being an athlete to being a coach. We'll have a special guest for that. Um, but when it comes to the community right now and safe sport, don't forget sportmanitoba.ca slash safe sport is a great place to start for best practices for sport programs, training opportunities, and the rule of two, because everyone deserves a positive sport experience. Oh, and by the way, I want to give a big, uh, big, Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to our pal Pitt Turen and the Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge team. I know it's in the middle of winter. We're already making plans to get back to Aikens next year. Check out AikensLake.com if you want to make uh, your plans right now to get in before it fills up for Manitoba's one-of-a-kind fishing destination during the summer. All right, let's get Remo back in here. Um, it's three. We got to get to the cool bet lines. Not a busy, busy night tonight, but... Uh, Nice visit, and uh, as I say, what a day for hair on WST. Marat debuting his new look, and Ruiki coming in at a strong 9.5 out of 10 on the Brandon scale. Yeah, well done. Marat debuting his new look. A lot of uh, comments in chat. Podcast listeners, you're going to want to come over here to YouTube and see what you've been missing out on. And, you know, Brandon uh, always brings it 
as well. So some great stuff from Murat on uh, what comparing the Jets team this year to the past Jets team. I see still see some people on the fence in chat saying, hey, this is the Winnipeg Jets. You know, they were this good at the start of last season. We saw what happened. Uh, you know, after if January, you, if you had just looked at the standings and had not watched any games this year, I guess you could say that. Yes. Um, but I mean, anyone that's been paying attention this year knows that this is a very, very different team that plays a different way that has been winning games a different way. And I'll maintain far more sustainable. Now, will they be winning at, at, at this clip all year long? We'll see. Um, but you got to. So let's fire up the cliche machine. You got to take it one game at a time, and that game is tonight against Patrick Kane and the Detroit Red Wings. And then, uh, man, what a way to finish off the schedule heading into Christmas with this game on uh, on Friday against the Boston Bruins. You know, every time Rewiki comes on, I just think it's maybe the best promo we could possibly have for people becoming a member of the Winnipeg Sports Talk channel, which I believe is what two bucks a month. Um, there is no time during the week where the special emotes for members get more of a run than when Brandon comes in and you've got that beautiful cloth emote that everyone throws out in the chat. Yeah, you do get that is one of the benefits. You know, some people, um, you know, maybe you want to support with a clothing item, but your way of supporting in 2023 is uh, having that microphone beside your name in chat and getting exclusive emotes. So. You know, we, some of our guests have have them. Brandon's got the hair. Marat's got the bass guitar. There's a saw for Hacksaw, a hammer for Jeff Hamilton. There's a nice dog here when Mike comes out. Still got to make Kenny's new... Kenny's water bottle. Kenny's water bottle. I got to make some new new ones. Uh, got to get around to it. You know, speaking of Ken, you know what we should do? Someone brought this up to me the other day. We were having a couple of beers and mentioned this, and I just laughed. If we do do some sort of a best of best of 2023 on WST, yeah, we may have to drop the 18 minute answer again oh, on man. who will be the Jets' second line center. Uh, well, you know, I was been thinking a lot of like year end recaps because we went over our Spotify Wrapped. We also got an email from YouTube just highlighting uh, our top content of the year. Um. But in terms of like maybe not a, a sport, just stuff that happened on the show, that might be number one. Like uh, like Ken giving an eighteen. I'm trying to think of other like stuff that happened just specific to the show over the year. Well, I mean, Remus two- hosting and getting run over like a semi truck by Ken. Yeah. For eighteen minutes of one answer, it, it, a legendary moment in WST history. It was. Stay tuned next week for uh, for all that. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines for tonight. Um, only three games this evening. And the Islanders, I enraged a number of Edmonton Sports Talk listeners today by disclosing in the lock shop that I used my $15 free bet that comes up on Fridays. By the way, it's a great promo at cool bet. Check the promos when you're on there, but... If you make a $30 bet on football over the NFL weekend, you get a $15 free bet on Tuesdays. And I used it yesterday, Remus, on a Connor McDavid prop under half a point, plus 375 yesterday. Now, McDavid usually scores or gets on the score sheet. That is quite obvious. But I just thought the number was so crazy. And they were playing against the New York Islanders. And sure enough, it came through. And a special 
Shout out to P. Greggy because Pat dropped a nice little parlay in the lock shop that uh, came through at plus 400. So it was a nice number, uh, even though our hockey picks weren't that good last night. Um, here's what you got tonight. Islanders coming off that win against the Oilers. Back at it against the Washington Capitals. Caps are minus 116 faves. Islanders basically even money at minus 101. The Jets are a minus 148 favorite tonight against the Red Wings. Wings are plus 125. And the Kraken are in L.A. to take on the Kings. Kings beat the Sharks last night. Kings are minus 176. And the Kraken plus 149. Let's just click on the Jet game and see what we've got for some goal scorers tonight. Mark Scheifele is your uh, the lowest odds at plus 138. Ehlers is plus 162. Gabriel Velarde, who we got, what, two games ago at plus 300? Now people have sort of woken up that the Macarena man's on a bit of a heater. He's at plus 205 playing with those guys. Top scorers for the uh, Wings, plus 168 for Debrinkat, plus 190. I am kind of taking a look at Alex Iafalo today, Remus, at plus 325 considering he is up on number one power play unit. And he was the guy, if I recall correctly, that broke the drought back against Vegas at the end of October. Yeah. I mean, anytime a guy's on power play one, I think uh, that's a good, you know, I think they're maybe kind of undervalued. That's what you look for. So plus 325, not bad. Nice elevated roll. If you want to have a fun one, how about uh, Josh Morrison? He hasn't scored a ton this year like he did last year, but coming back after that. Uh, puck to the face and a lot of people asking yes he will be in the lineup and no he's not wearing any additional facial protection just a cut didn't have any broken bones or anything and he did not said it looks worse than it felt uh, in his media availability (laughs) it looked pretty bad so uh, the other couldn't sleep on that side of his face he was he he was definitely on the one side yeah, I mean, it's swollen. It looks painful, uh, but 44 is in tonight. Uh, if you want to get on Josh Morrissey, he's part of a group, the 420 boys. Andrew Kopp, Josh Morrissey, Mason Appleton, Adam Lowry, all a plus 420 to score tonight. You want to go a little deeper on a longer shot for the Jets, Morgan Barron's plus 510. The Pionky Tonk man, Neil Pionk, plus 650. And Dylan DeMello, wow, that is going deep, uh, plus 890. And by the way, I uh, I put this out on my Instagram. I saw a guy at the game on Monday wearing a beautiful Jets blue heritage jersey, number four, with the name bar, Pionky Tonk. Loved it. Took a picture of it, nice. put it out on the gram. I had to do it. Um, but hey, check out the exclusives. We did not do a lock shop partner parlay today for hockey, although Dusty's away tomorrow, so he's got a ride with Dusty football play up. But if you check the cool bet exclusives, the reason why we didn't do a lock shop partner parlay is because the teams we liked were already together under the cool bet daily exclusives. Home for the holidays, riding with the home teams tonight. Washington over the Islanders, Jets over Detroit, and the Kings over the Kraken boosted up to plus 425. We both jumped on that one. The other one I think I might jump on is this one, the naughty list. Alex Ovechkin, 
Alex DeBrincat and Jarrett McCann all not to score at plus 210. Uh, there's four other options in there for you. They've already got some exclusives up for the Thursday night or tomorrow. And there's one other one I know many of you are going to be putting on the red and white starting on Boxing Day. World Junior props are all up there. As we talked with Scott Wheeler earlier, USA is the favorite of plus 220. Canada's plus 225. But we've got a nice boosted exclusive if you want to ride with Canada. Oh, Canada. Canada to win the World Juniors and the Spengler Cup. They're plus 255 for the Juniors. They're plus 200 for the Spengler. Dusty will be calling the Spengler from Switzerland on TSN all holidays, so make sure to check that out. But that is 11 to 1, plus 1,100. So if you want to double down on your love of country and your hope that Canada can pull off the double gold, it's in there right now at 11 to 1. NFL lines up for the weekend. And tomorrow in the lock shop, myself, Pat Gregoire, Jake Bolin Moss will hit the lines. I'll drop my best bets of the week in the NFL because there's no lock shop on Friday as Edmonton Sports Talk's finishing up their um, action on Thursday. And then Dusty's heading off to um, off to Switzerland. So again, if you haven't played a cool bit before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. And make sure to check out tomorrow at noon, the lock shop over at Edmonton Sports Talk. Uh, and as the guys in chat said, uh, Reem, a little while ago, we're just looking to go 1-0 and tonight with the Jets against the Detroit Red Wings. Should be a good one, and uh, man, it should be a great lead-in to what is going to be an awesome Friday with the Bruins in town. Yeah, this is a great week of games, so we had a disappointing ending uh, on Monday against Montreal, but another original six team, and the Jets will be rocking those gorgeous... Heritage jerseys again, and a lot of great comments as well for uh, Rick Bonuses. That what is that? A zip up, a ja- track jacket uh, in the press conference. Love how they change it up. So it should be a great one tonight. And yes, former Jets Andrew Cop and Sherratt on the other side, and hopefully the Jets can score a power play goal and not allow not allow one. And then if they do that, has those are my keys to victory. Yeah, and uh, maybe a power play goal. What would be, let's see, uh, let me just, I'm just going back to the cool bet lines for a minute. I just want to see if there is a, do we have anything with power play goals? We could make our own odds, but I don't usually uh, see that. They're, all, they're always good uh, for helping us out if we want to get something done. That would be a, a, a WST much? parlay. Jets to win and Winnipeg to score a power play goal, which hasn't yeah. happened in a long, uh, far too long. Well, anyways, take a look later on. We might throw something up there, but I think we'll kind of dive in tomorrow on that, and we'll definitely get a WST exclusive for the game against the Boston Bruins coming up on Friday night. Hey, Rima, before we go, I know you wanted to recognize the great Yarmir Yager who continues to get it done and actually play professional hockey. He was back in the lineup and back on the score sheet. I can't believe it. Yes, 100%. Yarmer Yager, 51 years old, uh, back playing with Kladno in the Czech League and got on the board. Uh, got a primary assist on Kladno's first goal. I'm here for Yarmer Yager continuing to play. What a legend. 
Uh, absolutely incredible that uh, he's still kicking around. Love it. No doubt about it. Um, great show today, folks. We've got to get the pods up. Enjoy the game tonight. 6.30 puck drop. Don't forget. So get down there a little earlier than normal. And uh, we'll be in tomorrow. Going to be a real fun show. I think the hammer's going to drop by. Maybe even a special guest. Um, much more on tonight's game. And we'll start getting ready for the finale to the pre-Christmas portion of the schedule with the Boston Bruins in town. And if the Jets can get the result they want tonight, we'll open it up by talking about the first-place Winnipeg Jets because the Jets will be the first-place team in the Central if they can win tonight. Enjoy the game. Make sure to check out the IC Boys and KNR afterwards. And whatever you're doing tomorrow, join us if you can live at 1 on YouTube later on in the podcast. And make sure to subscribe to both whenever you get the opportunity, if you haven't already. Thanks for hanging with us today. Enjoy the game. We'll see you tomorrow on WST. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 